All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. We'll start this week's episode by talking about the huge NFL news that broke on Tuesday involving quarterbacks as Aaron Rodgers says he's returning to Green Bay this season, while Russell Wilson has been traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos in a mega blockbuster deal. We'll talk about both of those moves that should ignite and help shape the rest of the quarterback decisions this offseason. We'll also talk about some other NFL news, notably Calvin Ridley being suspended for the entire 2022 season for betting on NFL games. From there, we'll talk about the MLB lockout as Major League Baseball and the Players Union still don't have a deal. Games will be canceled. We'll give our thoughts on the delay to the start of the 2022 season, where the negotiations stand, some of the items that have been agreed to, and places where the two sides are still far apart. We'll also talk some basketball, starting with the NBA. The Celtics are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, and we'll discuss if we believe that they are now true contenders in the Eastern Conference and give our thoughts on other teams throughout the league as the NBA season enters the final month before the playoffs start. And we'll also talk some college basketball, focusing on the unceremonious ending to Coach K's farewell tour as Duke loses at home to rival North Carolina, and some other thoughts on conference tournaments. We're approaching March Madness, Selection Sunday, just a few days away. Finally, we'll conclude this episode by counting down our top five favorite casino games in honor of Brian celebrating his birthday at a casino this weekend. So with that, let's get started. So it took about two years, but it finally got me, Brian. What's that? COVID. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I tested positive last week. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> How do you feel? I'm good now. Um, I, so I, I tested positive on Tuesday. I woke up in like the middle of the night with a really sore throat and then it was still there in the morning and I was like oh man like is is this COVID you know I should, like I, I've had that thought so many times sure everyone does every time they're like mildly sick like oh is this it and um like 30 minutes later I got a text from my friend saying that someone we were with that weekend just tested positive that he was experiencing symptoms I was like I need to get tested and I um I had just gotten those like at home tests that the government gave us and yeah sure enough tested positive so the first that two answered days- my, that answered my next yeah. question if you had a at home in home testing or if you mm-hmm. went to an actual doctor yeah it, i just said that home test and i thought about getting like a real real test uh but 
I thought there was enough evidence to say like the fact that I had symptoms, other people tested positive that, yeah, this is a true positive. And it was rough for a couple days. Um, slight fever, very sore throat. But, uh, you know, by, by Thursday, like two days after I tested positive, I started to feel fairly normal. And I, at this point, I'm pretty much symptom free. Like I might as well be a hundred percent. So not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like, I don't want to say I'm happy with the timing. Like I would prefer to have not gone it at all, but I mean, I was able to avoid this over the holidays and other obligations I had in January and February. And then I got it at a time where, you know, it wasn't the end of the world to be kind of locked out for 10 days. And I'm going to be totally clear ahead of St. Patrick's Day, which is awesome. And then in theory, triple vaccinated, natural immunity, I should be good throughout the summer. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like never, it, it was weird because like, not weird. I think it's kind of normal to be like, I'm vaccinated, I'm bulletproof, but at the same time being like, I'm vaccinated, I might get it, but it won't be that bad. And I kept wrestling, I think in my mind, back and forth which one i really believed but i did kind of feel like it would eventually happen so just given the timing it's good we're through it you know hopefully don't have to worry about it again uh for a long time so yeah it's good that you got it out of the way i still haven't gotten it yet but i'm also fully vaccinated and got the booster about Mm -hmm. a month or two ago and maybe i'll get it at some point and but like you, hopefully it's at a time where it's not really in the way of uh, other future obligations. And also, hopefully, like if, if it happens, you don't have bad symptoms. That right. it's more. It. I mean, it was basically just like a normal cold. You know, right. like for a couple of days, it was a little worse than that. And then it just became annoying pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, let's get going here. And we, uh, I guess I... I made the initial outline for this episode on Saturday over the weekend. Just like, okay, these are topics that I want to go through. Started to update it. And initially, I had the MLB lockout as our first topic, thinking that that will be the most significant news, you know, giving an update on where the, you know, the baseball world stands. But it may be America's pastime. The NFL is still king. And Tuesday brought us some huge NFL news. Aaron Rodgers announces he's returning to Green Bay, reportedly signing a four-year, $200 million extension. And then Russell Wilson gets traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos, a huge blockbuster deal. Let's start with the Rodgers story, just because that one broke first. Are you surprised after everything that's happened in the last year that Rodgers is staying in Green Bay and supposedly committed to the long-term future there? Now, no. I remember when the their season was over after they were upset in the playoffs by the 49ers i remember thinking days later okay returning to green bay will be the last option i i think it would be more likely that he leaves for another team or retires and i thought return to green bay would be third on the list at that time but as time went on longer and longer i thought to myself you know what he's he just wants to be in the news and and it's, he's just playing with us just like last year and he's going to come back to Green Bay. And so if you asked me this question 
about a month ago or so, I would have said he'd be on a different team. I would have probably picked Denver as well. But now I would have, before today, I would have, if you asked me this days ago or last week, I would have said coming back to Green Bay. So I was I was still a little surprised that he did end up going back to the Packers, just given everything that's happened. But the whole time, I thought that was the best situation for him, staying in the NFC, in the NFC North in particular, versus going out to Denver, being in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Derek Carr and the Raiders even, looking at teams, like, that's not even including like the Bengals or the Bills and uh, the Ravens, some of the other teams of the AFC, it feels like the NFC right now is the weaker conference. So it it made sense that if if he was only going to get traded to the AFC, reports were the the Broncos, the Titans, and the Steelers that Green Bay was the situation. But it still felt a little surprising with the way that everything has has played out. And I get it, the whole like he just wants to be in the news. He's just talking up the you know, just for the fun of it. And he's going to end up in green Bay after all. But it, I agree with you with after that loss to the Niners, it felt like there's no way he's going to come back after that. Right. Yeah. And it's another year where he's, yeah, the, the Packers, they end up having a great season, but then they fall short again. And they had this, him and Devante, they had this photo called the last dance, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> their yeah. own version of it. I figured, you know what, no matter what happens, win or lose, this will be the end of it. But no, he comes back and it's for another four years. And that seems like much give, even though he's still one of the best and arguably probably the best quarterback in the league still. Back to back MVPs. He, he will, by the second year of that four year deal, he'll be 40. And now, that's probably not as big of a deal now, just given how the quarterback position now has more longevity, given that their position is a little bit more protected than it used to be in past years. But that's still a lot of money and a lot of years for a guy that's near the end of his career. Yeah, I think in terms of like the year's commitment, it's not as huge of a deal. I know a lot of Steelers fans were turned off by the idea of trading for a 38 going on 39-year-old quarterback, but... I don't think it's crazy to think that he can continue to perform at a high level in a similar manner to Tom Brady, who he won MVP at 40 years old. Roger just won a second straight at 38 years old. The 153 million guaranteed is really what jumps out in the 50 million a year part. I think that's the part that's a little like, ah, you know, you're paying this guy a lot of money. He's taking up a ton of cap space. And I thought they had no cap space. I guess, yeah, you know, this is in the future, but. There were so many reports this this offseason that, oh, well, Green Bay has, does not have much cap room. They're going to be over the cap by this much. And then all of a sudden they pay Rodgers four years, $200 million, or at least that's what's reported. It's probably not exactly. He also accurate, said that the contract isn't even true. Like that, like he tweeted that out. So it's possible. Well, whatever just, it is, he's getting uh, a lot because he's still an MVP quarterback. He's Aaron Rodgers. So whatever the number is, I'd imagine it's a lot. And that kind of shows you that the cap is is not exactly what people are Salary caps saying. Salary cap's a myth. Yeah, uh, it's, to- it's a total myth. You're right. Yeah. You know, and I think in terms of like the extension, you know, they, they can finagle his number for 2022 and then, you know, 2023 and beyond is when that $50 million a year starts to hit. But they franchise tag Devontae Adams and that's a lot of money. So obviously they, they did 
a lot to be able to get that number to fit, just given where they were at. I am curious if they are going to have to start releasing some guys. I know they did some restructures with some of their key players, but it does. It a does lot feel of money like is going to those two players. Yeah, they're making up a lot of money. It is a lot to go to just a few, a handful of guys. And when it comes down to it, I think it's easy to say the Packers are still going to be a Super Bowl contender for the next few years, but they continue to fall short every single year. They lose in the conference championship game or even sooner like they did this year when they were 13 and three. I thought that they were the best team in the league in the best position to win. And they yeah, bowed out in horrible fashion. That, entering the playoffs, that was my mindset, but I'm, I'm out now on Green Bay. I'm yeah. not saying that they suck or anything, I'm, but I'm I'm done trying to think that they're going to win. I I just keep thinking I'm going to keep thinking now that uh, they'll go 12 and five, 13 and four, be a potential one seed that will just lose in the either divisional round or NFC Championship game again. I'm I'm done trying to think that this is finally the year. Like no, no, I'm I'm out trying to. There's been way there's too large of a sample size now of them continuing to lose in the playoffs. Yeah, and like the competition is fairly limited at this point with Brady no longer with the Bucks, you know, the NFC East. Like the Cowboys are another team where it's like, okay, we can't that really would be, buy them. That would be the one reason to have hope, though, is that, yeah, mm-hmm. Brady's gone, and then we look at the NFC East, the best team is Dallas, but we've talked about in the past that as long as they still have the same coaching staff that they have, how seriously can you trust Dallas? Even if they have all this talent, they're not the smartest team. And so that kind of rules out them. And then, yeah, like Brady's gone. So that kind of rules, that rules out Tampa, of course. And then Saints, no more Sean Payton, Falcons right. and Panthers. Are, they feel like they're a mess still. The and NFC then, West, the, like, NFC you know, West, the Rams just won the Super Bowl. But yeah, you're right. The NFC West has taken a little bit of a step back. And you know, there are thoughts Russell Wilson could have gone to one of those other NFC East teams. But now he's going to the AFC to the Broncos, where some people thought Aaron Rodgers would go. So. I guess we can kind of transition into that deal. Exactly. Yeah. Two first round picks, number nine overall this year, their first round pick next year, the 40th overall pick, their second round pick this year, second round pick next year. Also their fifth round pick this year in exchange for the Seahawks fourth round pick this year. And then quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris. Feels like a lot. But oh, yeah. Russell Wilson a is a he's, I think, a nine time Pro Bowl quarterback. He's won a Super Bowl against the Broncos. So actually be the first player to start a game for a team that he beat in the Super Bowl. First quarterback to do that. But at where how do you feel about the Broncos now? Well, I feel much better about their chances now. I've said a million times in the past, I can't take them seriously until they have an actual legit guy at the quarterback position and now they do and yeah Russell Wilson this past season he was a little bit he wasn't his himself he wasn't elite elite self maybe in the beginning of the year he was because that's how what he always does he always cooks in the very beginning yeah, of the he's MVP candidate after week three like the number yeah, one guy he, he would have so many MVPs if the season just ended in the end of September yeah but <laughs> but I still, I, I think it's a good move for Denver. Now they gave up a lot. Don't get me wrong, and it could. I'm not saying it's going to work out, but I'm glad that they, from a Denver Broncos perspective, I'm glad that they made this move because they're in a tough division with Mahomes and and Justin Herbert. Now the Chargers aren't that great, but it's an up and coming team. Yeah, the the Chargers barely missed the playoffs. The Raiders made the playoffs. And the Raiders, the I can't rule them out, even though we probably both think that. 
they're still the worst team in the division, especially now. But that's, that's a really great division. And so for Denver to make that move, I think it's huge for them just given that quarterback was their biggest weakness on their team because they have pretty good weapons on offense with Judy Sutton and Patrick at receiver and Albert O at tight end. No longer Noah Fant. Yeah, but no Albert longer Fant. Yeah. No longer Fant, but they still have Albert O. And then they have a pretty good backfield with Javante. And I don't know what if they're going to bring back Gordon or not, but either way, Javante showed that he's pretty good, pretty solid back. Yeah, second round pick, definitely a solid rookie. And then their defense is, I don't, I don't know if underrated, underrated is the right word because they are, they are a good defense. And I think they gave they were like in the top ten or yeah like I, they might have been a top five defense I don't know if that's five. hyperbole but they were definitely a top ten defense yeah and so the quarterback position is like I said it's their biggest weakness and having Russell Wilson now is is huge for them so yeah and it sounds like there's a decent chance that Von Miller is going to come back to Denver he was I and, think posting on a, his Instagram story saying yesterday that he might come back on Monday and then you know the trade happens Tuesday so. It's the only he's reason still a game to changer, that. of course, mm-hmm. especially after coming off a Super Bowl win, and he's obviously been a Super Bowl MVP when he was with Denver a long time ago. Yeah, I think when it comes down to what the Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson, it seems like a lot. You know, it's five picks, three players, yeah. but in and the end, more in the t- uh, first and second round. Yes, four in the first and second round, but in the end, the Broncos needed a quarterback. They tried with Teddy Bridgewater after, you know, Drew Locke didn't prove to be the like a capable I, I NFL ever, starting quarterback. So I could never take him seriously with Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Yeah. And I always wanted to believe in him. I really did. And uh, now I, I definitely do. I, I get that they're in a really tough division. And Russell Wilson was in a really tough division last year and finished last place. But he also missed time with injuries. So, uh, you know, he is coming off not his best season. But I do think that with... Uh, in, in theory, a healthy season, fresh start in Denver. I think they have a better offensive line than the Seahawks. I, yeah. I know that they, they got rid of Mike Munchak with um, their new coaching staff. And, uh, you know, there there were some questions there, but they do have some solid pieces. So I, I do think the Broncos are going to be a tough team in the AFC West. Still don't know that they're above the the Chiefs. Any, no, I like, still not, the not Chiefs even above them. the Chiefs. Like, I don't know how competitive they are with the Chiefs right now. Is, uh, I would say really the concern, but I still think Casey and Buffalo are the clear top two, while three through six varies between Denver, Cincinnati, uh, Baltimore, LA, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, we, we can make we can debate all we want about the next few teams, but one one and two, I still think are Casey and Buffalo. And I guess that was part of the reason why I was hesitant in terms of the Steelers giving up a haul like this for Aaron Rodgers and like Russell Wilson was the one where I was more like he's more worth it he's 32 years old yeah, he has what, a lower cap hit what what's crazy is that I think Denver their plan A was Rodgers but their and their plan B of course looking at it now is was Russell Wilson but you can make a case that Russell Wilson is actually a better option now I'm not saying I think he is yeah so Rodgers is better than Wilson right now but long term, but long term, Wilson is. I think he's five years younger than Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm pretty sure Wilson's 32, Rodgers is 38. So that's yeah. a six year difference. Yeah. So I I would rather by that <laughs> by the age difference. I think I'd actually arguably maybe rather have Wilson. 
I agree. I I like Wilson was I didn't mention Wilson on last week's episode. I just went straight from Rodgers to Mitchell Trubisky, but Wilson was he was always the number one guy. And it felt like a pipe dream for him as much as it felt like a pipe dream for Aaron Rodgers months prior. But to me, he was the top guy. And now that these two have made their decisions with well, I guess, you know, the Seahawks decided to move on from Wilson. He gives his okay to go to Denver. Rodgers sticking around with Green Bay. A lot of the other quarterback dominoes should continue to fall. So I, I uh, love it too because once the Rodgers new news hit this morning and that he was staying in Green Bay, it's like all right. Well, I guess that means Wilson is going to stay and Deshaun Watson is going to stay. And just I'm glad I'm I'm glad. So I know it it probably hurts the Patriots because he's now going to the AFC. Right. Yeah. So it does hurt from that perspective, but I love that there's movement. It's I, I fun. Love, I know yeah. it's fun having a quarterback you know a player of russell wilson's caliber get traded you know after the speculation because you hear about stuff like that a lot the nba that's like a normal thing superstar wants out uh it's all the the movement yeah the offseason right uh and it's it's fun to have that with the nfl and i mean the nfl offseason free agency trades like those have been growing and growing more in recent years and this is uh definitely a cool moment with that so So in terms of franchise tags, a lot of them handed out, a lot of pass catchers. Uh, Devontae Adams, we talked about. Chris Godwin tagged for the second straight year. Three tight ends, Dalton Schultz with the Cowboys, Mike Kosicki with the Dolphins, David Njoku with the Browns. Wait, I thought Mike Kosicki was a wide receiver. (laughs) He might be. We'll see. It's going to be one of those Jimmy Graham franchise tag cases. Um, I don't know how that's going to play out, but... Um, the tight end market is still going to be fairly strong, but those were the three top guys. And by all accounts, they're going to be playing on one year deals. I, and maybe reach long-term extensions with those teams. Brown's one is interesting because they just paid Austin Hooper a huge deal a couple of years ago. And I think they're having buyer's remorse on that one, which I think it's funny to think that the Browns could have a $20 million tight end room, uh, which I know you kind of dealt with the wait, Patriots wait. this year. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. And uh, but they also had a rookie quarterback, whereas Baker Mayfield's on his what fourth season, and they they have a lot of questions to you know with his fifth year option coming up, or actually no, he's playing on his fifth year option. Now. Yeah, he's playing on his fifth yeah. Year. So I mean that that's a lot of money there. Uh, definitely not the uh, the Browns team that a lot of people were expecting just a, a year or so ago. Still opportunities for them to make some moves, but I guess in terms of the franchise tags, for me. Uh, you know, like some of these are, they're not surprising. Like, there are a lot of guys like Jesse Bates of the Bengals made sense that they were not keep him key part of their defense. They want to continue to grow defense. in that. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was like the one guy where is like, he is going to be a really good player. I didn't believe in the rest of the defense. A lot of those guys surprised me. Jesse Bates being a great player did not yeah, surprise before, me. Before the year, we obviously didn't take Cincinnati seriously as we should have but that was Jesse Bates was the one guy on their defense where we could identify and say all right that guy's good <laughs> but yeah well Brian McAfee is like I can't name a single player in the Bengals defense immediately <laughs> was like uh, Jesse Bates he's like a really good safety he's like yeah. a top 10 maybe even top five in the league so yeah. he, he, um, he was the one guy that stood out to me term. on that defense uh, before the year started so yeah it's smart that uh, they franchised him yeah so I think the one the one player that really stands out to me that I, I think would also stand out to you um, in terms of franchise tag discussions that did not receive the franchise tag is JC Jackson quarterback for the Patriots. 
what are your thoughts on him? Do you do you think the Patriots should sign him long term? You know, twenty million dollars, Jalen Ramsey type contract, or do you think they'd be smart to let him go? I don't. I'll admit I don't love the idea to just straight up let him go. And I so the thing is with J.C. Jackson, he's not, he's a great, very solid corner, maybe even great corner now, but he's not Revis. He's not Darrell Revis. But at the same time, who is? There, there, there isn't that absolute true shutdown corner now. Like Jalen Ramsey is probably the best corner in the league. We saw him in the playoffs get torched he's, by. He sucked for a he lot sucked of sucked in the playoffs, and he's the best corner in the league. So if if he's going to perform the way he does in the playoffs, the arguably best corner in the league, uh, how what does that say about the rest of the league at that position? So yeah, so J.C. Jackson, yeah, he might not be a shutdown corner, but to just let him go and like, who is the, I don't love what they have. <laughs> it's a massive drop off from JC Jackson to their next guys on their team because they don't have Stefan Gilmore anymore, of course. And after that, it's, it's Jalen Mills and a, a bunch of other guys that I don't trust. And so I'll admit, I don't, I, I feel like I'm contradicting myself because I don't want, I don't love the idea of signing him to this massive long-term contract. If I feel like, J.C. Jackson isn't a shutdown corner, and I feel like he got exposed a little bit by the end of the season, especially against Buffalo in both the the last regular season game at home and then the playoff game where it looked like he just straight up quit in that game. But he's also led the league in interceptions. He's Mr. I 17 in the last two years. Yeah, he's yeah 17 in the last two years, so he's led the league in interceptions uh, throughout the league. And so it's going to hurt if he, if he leaves because I don't – know what their options are after him now i remember five six seven years ago they're in a situation where they just come off a super bowl win and then all of a sudden they let both rebus and browner go and i hated it at the time because they hadn't won a super bowl in 10 years and they finally did and i feel like a a big reason why was because they finally got some real players at the cornerback position in rebus and now browner isn't rebus of course but I, i thought he was solid that one season in new england and 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 then they went to their next options were Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan. And at the time I didn't love that, but those two guys ended up exceeding expectations and proving a lot of people wrong that it was the right move to get rid of those guys and, and have those two guys as the starting corner. So I guess there's a way that it could work out, but I, I, I'm I'm skeptical. It can only happen so many times. Like exactly. I, I totally get it. And it, it feels like JC Jackson is like would command more than a 2023 third round pick, which is what the Patriots presumably would get if he signs a big, you know, 18 plus million dollar deal with someone else in free agency. So even just franchise tagging him to trade him would would make that a lot too. Of sense. Yeah, if they franchised them to trade him, I'd be fine with that too. And I, I'm sure we could see that with some of these guys that were franchise tag. Like it would not surprise me at all if the Bucks trade Chris Godwin now that he's on the franchise tag second time, couldn't reach a long term deal. Some of those other guys. I mean, you know, it's something it's a common thing where you'll see teams franchise tag a player just to trade them somewhere else where they sign a long term deal. And it's still possible the Patriots decide to spend a lot of money. You know, they spent a ton of money on Svon Gilmore. Obviously worked out perfectly. Winning a Super Bowl, key interception in that game, win defensive play of the year the next year. You know, by the end of it, didn't want to give him a second contract, which makes sense. But J.C. Jackson's coming in. 
fresh off his his like first contract. So it, it seems reasonable that the Patriots would be willing to spend that money, especially after spending a lot of money last offseason. But because of that, the cap space is limited. And again, you can do gymnastics to make the cap space work for anybody. But we saw that just now mm-hmm. <laughs> with Green Bay. So if if that if they can make that work with Rodgers, and then the yeah the cap is a total myth like you said so <laughs> yeah so we'll see I think Jackson's gonna yeah be, I'm, uh, I'm holding back very very interesting now. free agent Just because uh-huh. free agency hasn't started yet but I don't yeah. <laughs> but yeah I'm not feeling great about it right now. Yeah, and we'll we'll have uh you know more to talk about in terms of free agency as deals actually happen next week. Definitely excited to react to some of this stuff, but it, it is always fun to to speculate, you know, that that's half of the battle when it comes to the offseason. So yeah. um one player that we thought could potentially be a Patriot in twenty twenty two won't be playing for anybody in twenty twenty two. That's <laughs> Calvin Ridley. <laughs> he was suspended for the season for betting on NFL games last year when he was away from the Falcons, supposedly bet on the Falcons uh, as part of a parlay. Uh fifteen hundred dollar parlay that cost him eleven million in the end because he won't be playing this season. So uh I guess what are your thoughts on this year long suspension for Ridley? Well, my first thought is Calvin Ridley might be the worst gambler on earth because he bet $1,500 <laughs> and he's losing $10, $11 million. Yeah, not not a great season. return on investment there. No, not not a good ROI <laughs> whatsoever. And and then also betting parlays, like eight-leg parlays. Yeah. What are you doing? You're yeah. just asking to lose, you know. Yeah, he's just throwing out money. So my first reaction when I hear the details of what he gambled so he gambled fifteen hundred, and it was a, on a bunch of parlays, and then including a Falcons to win his <laughs> his team, who sucks without him, will suck uh, even more. He he's betting them to win. What are you doing? So he's clearly just throwing out his money. So my first reaction is, why why do they have to suspend him for a year if he's clearly just throwing out money? But at the same time, my thought was, you know what, the NFL for good reason takes this stuff seriously. The, uh, gambling is massive uh, in sports, but the NFL, especially with mm-hmm. with DraftKings and FanDuel and all these things, that, and, and all these states that are becoming legalized, more and more states are becoming uh, legalized uh, for sports betting. And so, I can see why the NFL would lay the hammer on on this news to show people that hey, we're not about this whatsoever. Our, uh, all our games there there's integrity in, in these games and it's not it, it's not being it's, there's no shady business going on and so for them to suspend calvin ridley for a year i get it but <laughs> it is well, it's, it's just crazy in the though. nfl policy like the yeah. nfl and the players association agreed that if a player gambles on nfl games they're suspended for a year so right away that's your answer everyone complaining about him getting a year his his people agreed to it you know his his player union representatives uh you know probably before he was in the league but still he knows that everyone knows that look at major league baseball guys get they get banned for life that's laying the hammer down really only getting one year in comparison to guys like joe jackson and pete rose like what they were cost is is nothing uh I also understand the perspective that, well, he gets a year for gambling $1,500 betting on a game, whereas others get, you know, four games for domestic violence and things like 
Yeah, Ray Rice getting two games for for doing what he did a A decade ago. ago. So, you know, and I think the NFL is definitely taking that a lot more seriously these days. But of course, it's still partial season, you know, six game suspension for Ezekiel Elliott, like that, that kind of thing like that. And that was seen as like a big deal versus here where Ridley gets a full year. But there was a player, uh, I think, on the Cardinals a few years ago. Yeah, he was suspended for the remainder of the season when he was he bet on a game. I think he was in Vegas. He was on um, IR and bet on a game. And I think he reported it. So that might have helped him out a little bit. But like Ridley, he used his name. Like What's funny is that for Josh Shaw's case, uh it could be a rumor, but I heard that when he, for occupation he put pro football player I think that oh, could yeah. be a total ru- just a rumor but if that's actually true that's funny uh-huh. well, <laughs> but Ridley, yeah calvin ridley he, he used his own name all of his name yeah and they, i think when the nfl started to make their all their partnerships with like caesars and DraftKings and everybody they said like we're gonna use this to make sure that players don't bet on games so it just feels like ridley was asking for this in a way yeah. like when he's like betting on games under his own name like he was obviously gonna get caught so um obviously there's a lot of questions about his him stepping away from the team you know how is this potentially related yeah. to it yeah is this something so, that was going on before season, that so. yeah so this past season sometime in the year he he's done for the year because of mental health excuses and I'm not sure if that's legit or not, or if it was gambling related, because I certainly question stuff when it comes to gambling, where we've talked about with Michael Jordan, the last dance, and you would disagree with me on this, but his two years playing baseball, I tend to believe, I don't have anything to back it up, but I tend to believe that, yeah, I think there was some sort of gambling suspension with Jordan instead of he just wanted to play baseball. Yeah, and like, I want to believe that wasn't the case, but it, yeah. it wouldn't shock me at all. That's the easiest way to go about it. Hey, I'm retiring to go play baseball, not right. getting suspended by the he's league. Only, he's only the greatest league. basketball player yeah. <laughs> in NBA history. And then all of a sudden uh, he just decides, hey, I want to go play baseball for whatever reason. Yeah. And then another thing with Tim Donahue. So he obviously yeah. went to prison for several years. But I don't believe that he was the only guy. There are several. There are records of him with several calls with Scott Foster, and Scott Foster got nothing. And I don't believe that he wasn't was completely clean. And Tim Donnie, he's the only person, only NBA ref to to gamble on games. I I have my doubts about that as well. It's a so. better look to just have one guy be the fall, be the right. scapegoat. Exactly. So. But yeah, a lot. It all just comes down to integrity at the end, and you know, wanting to make sure that fans believe that it's totally real, that nothing is rigged, that you know, there's there's nothing gaming the system, and uh, that's why you get a year for it. Because even if he's betting on his own team and he's away from the team and he doesn't have any influence, it just it could. I really don't believe he had more. any insider information. Just hearing all the details of mm-hmm. he's betting on parlays and he's betting on his own team to win. I really don't think he <laughs> yeah. had any sort of insider information. I just think uh, he's an idiot. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I you know, it is, it, it seems crazy that he would do it uh, just given everything. But if he has, if he actually has real mental health issues is suspending him a year too is that too harsh if if he really does have those kind of issues i'm probably going down too far down a different path but again like it's one of those things where they had to do that but yeah yeah, i mean i I would hope that he's getting help on and you know getting treatment he needs for whatever kind of issues he's dealing with 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's fair to make jokes about like, oh, he bet on the Falcons. Like, obviously, he has some kind of problems because, you know, <laughs> mental health is a serious topic. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this. Uh, in, in theory, he'll be back on the field somewhere in 2023. Hard to believe it'll be with the Falcons. I have no idea. Like, he went from serious compensation for them to I don't even know what his trade value will be at that Yeah, he point. turned into football so. Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, very, very different situation. I know, you know, joking. Rose is a topic for another time, which his, I, you know. His, is, his is obviously much more serious. I'm just hey, joking. we might not have real baseball to talk about, so That's maybe true. we could spend some time talking about Rose in the next, uh, you know, April, you know, other few months. And uh, let, let's talk about the lockout, because we talked about the beginning, thinking that this would be the most important news story. The NFL stole its spotlight, but the reality is, you know, baseball is losing its relevance and this lockout certainly doesn't help itself. So I guess it's a first thought here. So I, I don't know if they've officially announced that games will be canceled. They did say the first series first, will be canceled. First, yeah. First, first two series. Yeah. The first I week th- of the I season. I think the deadline for the second week, 162 games supposed to be today, Tuesday. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Today. Yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't heard anything. I haven't gotten any like news about it. So what's funny is that if there were if there were any news about it, it was overshadowed by all the NFL stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's but funny. I, yeah, Russell Wilson gets traded to Denver. Aaron Rodgers, big news where he's staying in Green Bay, and then baseball they can't even get on the freaking field. No, no. And I, I it sounds like the owners are content missing the entire month of April that they can they only have to play like 136 ish games for them to not lose any kind of tv money basically less is more uh they play 162 of these games a lot maybe maybe less is more in this situation where right like a lot of people are saying oh this is the worst thing not playing 162 games i'm like i am totally content with baseball starting on may 1st 136 games april's the worst month for you know for weather for attendance it's too early. You have, uh, yeah, you know, basketball and hockey. Com- yeah, when it comes down to the playoffs, when, yeah, like, when it comes to April, you have, like you said, NBA and NHL playoffs are starting. You have the NCAA uh, basketball tournament, and then you yeah, have that's the Masters. Up. It, there are the Masters, least, NFL draft at the end of the month. Yeah, they're overshadowed <laughs> by everybody in the month uh-huh. of April. So if they start in May, whatever. I couldn't care less. Like I love baseball. I I will. I will defend it as a sport. I'll defend people like my fandom of the Red Sox and particularly the Pirates who like, you know, yeah. they, they're, well, they're so a tough team to we root both for. Love, so. We both love baseball, but I tend to lean more towards not defending it as much, really. Like I, well, I, as I'm a league, as a league, Major League Baseball sucks. Like, yeah. I will not defend a lot of the stupid stuff they do that continues to cause it to fall behind. And they, they think that, like, the players think and the, the league thinks that they're still relevant and, like, still at the top. And they're just not. People don't care well, ba- baseball, as much as they used to. Baseball players carry themselves way too highly. And, and, it's, and it's gross. And, and, I think and it's this, disgusting. Yeah, it, it dates back to when the pandemic started. You'd think that when the pandemic started, Back in March of 2020, there'd be more urgency to say, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta get on the field as quickly as possible to give entertainment for, for fans and for people because the, the only NHL sport NBA, in the spotlight. They were, the, they were the only sport that could actually get on the field because the NHL, NBA. Yes, they finally got back on the court and on the ice, 
but that wasn't until early August. And so baseball had its chance to to be in the spotlight, but but they still blew that. It they shows you how confident they are. Yeah, one week before everything started was when baseball finally decided that they were going to play. It, it was ridiculous. It was it was poorly handled, and we knew at the time that things get messy at the end of the 2021 season. And that's where we are, approaching 100 days of a lockout. And I guess, so based on everything that's happening right now, do you lean to either direction with the owners versus the players? Like, are you like, I should say, are you staunchly on one side is right? The other no, side is wrong. No. So two years ago, I was definitely not on the player's side because I thought they carried themselves so poorly that I, I, I didn't really want to be like on the owner's side where like I got my foam finger out for them or uh-huh. anything, but I was more anti-player than anti-owner during the time because like I said, they're, players just carry themselves so poorly where we, the the game needs major changes that needs to adapt. And you got guys like David Price saying like, I'm, I'm going to take all the time I need. I'm not going to follow the pitch clock. And then you got Charlie Blackman saying, Oh, they're telling me I can't spit. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep spitting when we're in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> and you can't do that. You can't just follow a simple rule and not spit. And then you got, of course, I've mentioned plenty of times in the past, how much I, loathe blake snell and what he said about like oh to take a pay cut oh bro i'm risking my life out there you're 60 feet away from (laughs) home plate i think you're okay and so i hated how and those are just a few examples of just how poorly the players carried themselves two years ago but now i just i don't really have a side i think both sides look bad they both suck so many people want to be like a hundred percent pro players not even just fans like the national baseball media they're a hundred percent on the player's side being like, Oh, the owners are the reason this lockout is happening. The players have all these great ideas. The, the players don't know what's good for them. And I no. like, I know I talked about the salary cap system and stuff. And like, I'm not the only one who's saying that it is definitely coming from the Pittsburgh side of me more than the Boston side of me, but that would fix all of the issues that the players have teams, not spending money. A salary floor would do that. Uh, you know, like the the tanking issues yeah, and like that, competitive that, balance. They want to raise the the CBT. That's going to help who? The Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Like it's going to help a handful of teams. Raising the CBT isn't going to get the Orioles to start spending money. It's not going to get a lot of these middle teams. Like that that doesn't affect them. They don't have the TV contracts. They don't have the support system. And when you're like that, you're like, well, I can't compete with the Dodgers by spending a lot of money and attracting free agents. So I'm just going to lose as many games as possible and draft guys like Ad- Adley Rushman, the best prospect in baseball. And Drew Jones might be going to the Orioles. He's Andrew's son. He looks phenomenal. That's yeah, how was, the Orioles was, are going to get better. Like, the one good thing about that 2020 season that and starting in mid-July, that gave all teams hope and making yeah. the playoffs. But we saw the Marlins normal, make the playoffs. In a normal season, half the teams by May or June or sometime halfway through the season, they already know that their season is over. Realistically, by April, playoffs. a lot of teams know they so don't have a chance. So there are because... just a lot of wasted games where fans uh-huh. come to the ballpark and they're watching. Uh, they're not watching a team that's going to put in their full effort to win. No, it's they, a quadruple A roster at that point because they've sold off all the players that actually have value to try to get prospects and you know, hope for the best two, three years from now. And like again, like a salary cap system is going to give every team, regardless of market size, a fair shot to compete. 
Not not only that, but the player revenue sharing. They right now, I think MLB players get somewhere between like thirty and forty percent of all revenue. NFL players, NBA players, NHL players, they're all north of 50%. So players are turning down money when they say 0% chance of a salary cap system. And the fact that they don't want that just tells you how much influence Scott Boris has on these negotiations. I mean, what, 7 out of 10 MLB player reps are Scott Boris clients? He, He doesn't care about the low players who he doesn't represent. He cares about the guys who are going to give him 10% of $300 million contracts. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not on the player's side. I'm not on the owner's side. I think the owners suck. I'm not going to sit here, defend Bob nutting, not spending money just because, you know, the pirates don't have a Dodgers STV deal, but I'm definitely not like, Oh yeah. The players like everything they have is perfect. What's funny is that in 2020, I was, anti-player more than anything i think for this year it sounds like you're more anti-player is that correct yeah probably but again like from the red sox perspective everything the players are saying is great raise the cbt cool maybe we'll keep our next mookie bets and won't have to trade him but that doesn't affect the pirates like the you know i mean that that's what the difference is is that the the players want a cbt of like 260 million dollars five years from now the owners want to only want to go to 230 that only affects how many teams? The Dodgers and then barely the Padres are the only ones who went over the CBT. It's just, it's ridiculous. And then you have like people like Jeff Passan trying to say that, oh, the baseball doesn't have a problem with competitive balance. We have just as many different World Series winners and uh, World Series teams as the other sports while ignoring the fact that the Dodgers have won the NL West you know, until this season, eight years in a row. And they've won 100 plus games all these times and that they can go out and sign Trevor Bauer to a crazy $40 million deal. Lose him in June. Starter. And, and then yeah. David Price is a long relief pitcher. Right. Well, and then you, you lose Trevor Bauer to a suspension and you're like, okay, fine. We'll just trade for Max Scherzer. I hated that so much at the time. Yeah. We, they lost Trevor Bauer due to his situation off the field. Let's just go get Max Scherzer. No, no, like they're the only team that can do that. Maybe like a couple of others could, but it's not something that all 30 teams can do. Like that's the kind of thing, like having a player that you signed to $40 million a year get suspended halfway through the first season. That would set back so many franchises for so many years. And the Dodgers, it's just, yeah, whatever. doesn't matter. What's so frustrating about this is that this is not really that fun to talk about. We just talked about. It sucks. yeah. NFL for about a half hour on all the moves that happen, and that's fun. That, uh-huh. that, that's entertaining, or that interests me, but this is not really that interesting to me because, see, even if they figure, figured something out with all the everything that's going out going on with the lockout, even if they come to an agreement, it still doesn't solve what I really think is wrong with baseball, and it's the product on the field. And I've said this so many times. I'm being just being a drum now that that the the product of the game sucks and it's it's not a dying sport I, i've said that in the past and so many other people have as well it's not a dying sport people will still go to games we'll still go to games we'll still go oh, to yeah. a game at least once a year it's still fun to go to the ballpark and maybe both of us at some point in, in the year we'll we'll watch a game on tv and then we have it in the background so like the tv <laughs> numbers will be fine i'm definitely the, gonna the watch ticket games, numbers yeah. The ticket numbers in big markets, big baseball markets, will still be good. But I think 
what is real is that the passion for the game is mm-hmm. not nearly as good as it used to be with fans like not even us close. or millions of other baseball fans. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it all the time with the Red Sox. Like they, they used to be household appointment viewing when we were kids. And now even after winning the World Series and being a great team for several years, it's like, yeah, you know, it's it's fun to keep up with them. But I don't have to watch every single game. No. So um, so I guess I, I, I do want to talk about some of the other things that whether they're proposals or things that are going to happen. First of all, uh, expanded playoffs. So currently 10 teams make it. Players want to go to 12. League wants to go to 14. What are your thoughts on that? So my thing is, I I want the one-game playoff to still be a thing. So if, if that means, expand, if they expand the playoffs and that takes that aspect out, then I hate it because I love the one-game playoffs. Just I know it's just, card, I know, yeah. yeah, the wild card. That's the best thing the baseball has come up with in the past, what, 20 years? I, I love that rule. Uh, or that format more than anything because there's a lot of, there's urgency to win that game because it's a winner a do or die uh, situation and that's such an entertaining problem even if it's two teams that I don't really care about I, I'm into it uh, whether if it's AL or NL uh, I'm always into that game so if it takes out that specific game then I don't like it but if it if it keeps it, it then it will whatever do that. yeah yeah it will because if they go to twelve or fourteen, that first round is going to be best of three. Right. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think I'm a fan of it then. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's going to happen either way. So do you have a preference between twelve and fourteen? I guess fourteen because. Yeah. So you said it would be best of three if it were. It would be best of three. Yeah. So it's either the top seed or the top two seeds get buys. It's kind of similar guess, to football. I guess. I guess, but. Then 14 then, because you get a best of three series, and I guess there's a, some urgency in those games. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm fine with what it is right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I so am. That's one thing. The, as much as I want part, changes right. in the game, that's one thing I don't want to be changed. Is the, so the, here's the thing. The Pirates' best chance of competing is more playoff teams, like with so the current that, economic system. That is system. a good point. I did say <laughs> earlier that half of these teams in a normal season are already just giving up halfway through the uh, year. So if you expand the playoffs, then that forces more teams to keep Yeah, so from the owner's effort. perspective, it's more money. And you can say, oh, like there's more teams that get in, like more teams care, you know, more teams are going to be competitive and relevant later in the season but from the players perspective they're like well if that many teams get in then there's less of an urgency to spend money because it's easier to make the playoffs so the players suggested a ghost win <laughs> which is that's the dumbest thing of all this stuff they're like well okay fine but oh the home team automatically goes up one to nothing in the series i hate that no i don't want that i think Not i've heard all. about that proposal uh, i hate that rule yeah yeah now it's it's just it's ridiculous like the thing some of the things that the players are asking where it's like there are legitimate problems in terms of the state of baseball from both the ex- economic perspective and the on-field perspective but they there's just ridiculous suggestions that are it feels like it's based around the team spending all all the money in the world like, that's, that's more ridiculous than the things I've for. come up with <laughs> I've come <laughs> up with some really stupid stuff <laughs> Yeah that's okay uh Banning the shift. So apparently the shift will be banned starting in 2023. And by by that, I guess anyone listening who doesn't really follow baseball all that well, I don't know why you would 
wouldn't skip over this part, but just in case, the whole, it's a it's a defensive alignment. Basically, you in a normal defensive alignment, you have two players on the left side of the infield, two players on the right side, and you'll shift a player to the opposite side. So basically, against a lefty, you would have like three players on the right side of the infield, basically moving the shortstop across the diamond. The idea is that players who are common like pull hitters they can't go to the opposite fields so you want to put more especially guys lefties. on that side yeah especially lefties ground ball line drive less likely to get through for a base hit so when shifts became a big thing several years ago i was fine with it and my my thought was you know what players they should figure out a way to hit it to the opposite field or away from the players but i hate seeing uh, a lefty hitter, a power hitter especially, hit a sharp, fast line drive into the outfield that would be a, a base hit in any other situation. But then all of a sudden, you see the second baseman way in the right field, and all of a sudden, he actually throws the guy out. And I stuff like that, I hate. And so, I'm totally fine if they get rid of the shift because I, I don't. You you need more runners on base. You need more things to happen. And with the shift that. That helps. That 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 doesn't help at all. Uh, that doesn't help the offense. There needs to be more offense and more things so, happening, more action. Yeah, I guess for a long time, and like even when I first heard this, I was very much against it. Just like, yeah, it's again like learn to hit the ball like the other way. You know, right. don't. It's it's a good defensive strategy. Away from the to people. Get, yeah, yeah I mean, it's a, it's a good too. strategy to get these guys out. But then you know, I start hearing more and more. Um, the people who are in favor of it and it, it makes sense to me. So part of the idea is that way too many guys are pitching high nineties, hundred miles an hour inside. It's impossible to hit those balls to the yeah, they, they, field. Pitchers now throw 99 and hundred miles an hour and they got spider tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with or without that, it, it is very difficult. Like it's way easier said than done. It creates a, a much bigger advantage for the pitchers, which doesn't help because that, well, again, is that's the appeal to the offense trying to, you know, appealing to fans who aren't actual baseball fans. That's kind of what it feels like. That being said, the increase in the shift has led to this whole three true outcomes, home run, walk, strikeout. So if that can go away and, you know, you're replacing walk, strikeouts and home runs with base hits and, you know, doubles and that, there needs that to be more of that is more appealing. Walks, strikeouts and home runs. That's boring. technically nothing. Even even home runs. Obviously, sometimes those are fun to watch, and someone actually scores, of course. But nothing is actually happening on the field. Yeah, you're just a, running around. Walk, and then, strike okay, out, reset. or home run. It's just the uh, batter running the bases, or, or yeah, running the bases, or just walking back to the dugout. And so nothing yep. actually is happening. Even no. Yeah. So it's fun. The idea of like more balls in play. Exactly. So. To me, if that if banning the shift helps with that, then I think it'll be a good thing in the long run. I'm yeah, still so I'm, like I'm, I'm I still more... think it's a good strategy, but you know, I, I understand from that perspective why yeah. getting rid of it makes sense. The ball needs to be put in play more and the pitchers need to get rid of the ball more <laughs> because we have a we have shot clocks in the NBA, we have play clocks in the NFL. And I I there's nothing that drives me nuts in baseball more than a pitcher. He's waving off the signs from the catcher, and all of a sudden he just goes, "Oh, oh, time out, time out!" And he then he steps they, off the mound. Yeah, he steps off the mound, and, he, and then he talks about it with the catcher with his glove over his over his face. Uh-huh. Can you imagine if the NFL 
the play clock is is coming down to zero, and all of a sudden the quarterback just goes, "Oh wait, 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 hold on, hold on," and then he just whispers to the wide receiver, "All right, so you're gonna run this route, right? Yeah, okay, 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 great." And then they just go back to playing. That (laughs) drives me nuts in baseball Uh, more than anything. I hate that so much, where they just randomly uh, just time out even though like no throw the ball throw it <laughs> <laughs> we are getting a pitch pitch clock in 2023 which good. is nice I definitely heard it was, need it yeah I pace of play is seconds. not good i heard 14 and 19 i didn't look in the details to know the difference but yeah that sounds great keep in the teens yeah yeah i'm for it don't need 45 seconds between pitches no that's enough time to scratch your ass and and think <laughs> of a pitch and look uh, over the runner at first and then throwing it no it's got to be less than 20 yeah i'm i'm totally fine with that so that i think when it it's all said and done there are going to be a lot of positives that come out of it but in my mind i won't view this lockout as a true victory if it doesn't end the same way the nhl lockout did 20 years ago and that's the true salary cap system and you know i think it'll it'll yeah, be the NHL, when that doesn't happen the angel of all sports that's the one sport i probably understand the most when it comes to the salary cap because they actually have an they have an actual hard cap. yeah they have a hard now, cap now okay. outside of last year with the tampa bay lightning <laughs> in that situation outside uh, of that other outside teams of that, have done that but yeah outside uh, of that it's a true hard cap in the nhl and and i i think they could benefit from a soft cap like the nba has but you know, it, the product is so much better. It's better for the players. It's better for the teams. It's better for the fans when it comes down to it. Yeah. And it would be better for baseball. It wouldn't be just this regional sport that only matters in a handful of major cities. It would matter all over the country in the same yeah, way. Yeah, baseball that is now a regional matters. sport. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's NFL closer matters. to hockey now than it is football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which is really unfortunate because, again, it used to be America's game. And, and that's, that's another want... thing about baseball is that, okay, so if, if football, if we were to lose football, then, yeah, the world would be ending. <laughs> but And then when it, comes to, when it comes to basketball, if they were in a lockout, that would certainly hurt because there are certainly a lot of star players and big names. And then when it comes to hockey, hardcore fans like me and, and other hockey fans would miss it. But when it comes to baseball, I don't even know if the hardcores would miss hardcores it. Hardcores would miss it. No, there would definitely be a lot of people. But I think like even like people like us, where it's like we're not. I don't know like that. I'd call myself a hardcore baseball fan, but I'm definitely not a casual baseball fan. But I'm like, yeah, I'd be I totally say, fine with I not would... having a season if the outcome is favorable long term. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people just want baseball on the field. They want all 162 games. Opening day is gonna happen. Whenever the season starts, whether it's March 31st, April 1st, whatever it is, or May 5th, doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't care. I'm with you, though, that I don't care about the start, whether it's April, May, or June. There needs to be actual changes in Mm -hmm. the game and and, and adapting to today. And and it's not the pastime anymore where they got to adapt like the other sports. And I do think that we're going to get some benefits out of it, but I would be, I'd be surprised if it ends up being a significantly improved product, just given where we're at and the players and the owners who are part of these negotiations. So anyway, let's talk some basketball. Let's talk about a sport that is happening right now. (laughs) And let's start with the NBA and let's talk about the Celtics. So a month ago, NBA trade deadline, we talked about some of the moves the Celtics made, and I think you and I had very similar thoughts where we believe that the Celtics got better, 
we just weren't sure how much better. You know, we still felt like they're like the fifth, sixth best team in the East, but they've continued to win games and they, they just beat the Brooklyn Nets at home on Sunday. You know, I know the Nets have been disappointing this year, but Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving still on that team. And there's a lot of talk that the Celtics, one of the hottest teams in the league right now, are true contenders in the Eastern Conference. So I guess, are you believing in this team as a legitimate NBA Finals threat at this point? I'm getting there. I'll admit, I didn't, I never thought I'd be saying that, especially with the way the year was going. But yeah, I think they're, I think they're inching closer to being a legit contender. I, I, that that win versus Brooklyn this past Sunday, that's a real win. Now, because they beat Brooklyn in the past, but they were beating them without Katie and without Kyrie, and there being some other bad teams. But this past weekend was a real test with, and it's not just Brooklyn, but also Memphis, because with with how Memphis has looked and with John Morant having the year he's had, that was a actual real win because Tatum outperformed. John Morant and I know they're different yeah, Morant played really well in that game too. he played really well in that game but I think Tatum was the best player on the floor yeah. in that game and then this past Sunday I thought Kevin Durant. that's a real win and mm-hmm. I love how the I love how they're playing too because they're actually sharing the ball and and there's a lot of facilitation especially with Tatum because we've, we've always known Tatum's a, an elite scorer but can he be an elite facilitator and and, and improve other aspects of his game and I feel like he's really starting to figure some things out along with the rest of the team and Jalen he's having a solid year and Marcus Smart who I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of a hater on I actually like how he's playing no joke if he understands what his role is and that he's not the he, he's not just chucking up shots with a lot of time on the shot clock and he's actually being patient and spreading the ball around and understanding his role I like I actually like how he's playing and Robert Williams he's he's been awesome as well as a center and Horford of course he's a great veteran. I'm a little concerned about the depth of their bench cuz after their starting lineup it, their bench is pretty small where it's Derek White I, I even though he's not shooting well statistically I still like his impact on the team. Yeah, and I think that, he's been really good. And then Grant Williams, who I just thought straight up sucked in the beginning of his career, I actually like how he's playing too, where he's where he's making uh, more shots and being a good rebounder, and he looks like he's in more shape. And so I I like, yeah, I like how the Celtics are playing right now. It's fun to watch right now, and I definitely take him more seriously. And what would be a disappointment right now for the Celtics? I think outside of Brooklyn, fully engaged, fully healthy Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Outside of those two teams, if they were to lose to anyone else, like Chicago. Now, Chicago is definitely good. Chicago, it's they're tough right now because Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso have been out for a while, so they're not the team that they used to be. And yeah, so if they they haven't been playing like they used to be, yeah. So if they were to make the playoffs and they lost to a team like Chicago or Cleveland or Toronto or whoever the other fringe teams are that are in the playoffs right now if they were to, yeah, even Miami I know Miami's a one yeah, seed I know but they're the ones it's still I'll never believe in them exactly yeah them. <laughs> I'd probably believe them a little bit more than you but I think now especially with Butler getting a little bit older and Brown and Tatum Kyle Lowry. Entering, yeah, yeah and Kyle Lowry as well and then Brown and Tatum entering their prime a little bit more and then no Drogic he's not even on the heat he's on the nets mm-hmm. 
if they lost to them again, I think that would be a disappointment. So outside of Milwaukee, so you wouldn't be Brooklyn, disappointed by a loss to the 76ers, or I guess you would be. Okay, that one's a little bit tougher, but I'm still. Uh, I would hate it as someone I, who hates the 76ers. Yeah, I hate the Sixers. Don't get me James wrong. James Harden, like they look, they look, they look good. Right All right, now. so the Sixers, that's a tough one. But at the same time, I've said before, I I can't take Harden seriously in the playoffs. That one's debatable. I will say mm-hmm. Philly would be de- debatable. But yeah, I guess that's one where it's like on paper, talent wise, you're like they're still probably better than the Celtics. But when you kind of factor in the Sixers playoff lack of success that makes it a little harder to swallow so i i totally get it from that right. perspective mm-hmm. uh because to me they're the team that jumps out I, as milwaukee defending champs like they're i don't want to say they're having a down year like they haven't they haven't looked like like they've i don't want to i don't think irrelevant is the right term at all but like they they haven't been like center of attention compared to like a they're lot of milwaukee. other teams in the league I know that's probably part of it, but like they still have Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, like they're the defending champs, and it feels like they're just any other solid NBA team. Like it feels like they get as much attention as like the Utah Jazz. Uh, so <laughs> wow, you know, <laughs> which like the Jazz is another team. They're really good in the West, but like they're they're getting buried by teams like the Warriors and the Suns and even like the Mavericks or the Clippers and you know teams that are little more relevant that feels like that's where the bucks are right now but i still think that they're they're arguably the best team in the league so uh the nets are a tough one i don't even know if ben Let's, simmons gonna ever so, play supposedly he's gonna that, be on the bench against the sixers on yeah, Thursday that, night. but yeah that's he, yeah they're just he's just scared this just doesn't yeah work i mean they're, they're a team where it's like it's just so so difficult to talk that's about the, them like they're still like a legitimate finals contender when you see them ninth in the eastern conference that's why I had to say a fully engaged, healthy Brooklyn. I had to put that uh-huh. part out because yeah, a I lot of qualifiers. Brooklyn is a mess right now, but they still have Kevin Durant, who's still one of the best players in the league, he even though he's coming off a sprained MCL. Yeah, he still looks great. It's like he was never hurt. And then so yeah, I mean, I, it's it's tough to really make out the East right now because I mean, you mentioned a lot of those teams like Chicago, Cleveland. Toronto I mean you can throw out Charlotte Atlanta and then even Miami even though they're the one seed where you're like yeah like they're they're good they're playoff teams like they they range on the spectrum of you know where they really sit in terms of being like legit contenders versus you know more feel-good stories but you know is it fair to say that the Celtics should be that far and away above them just because they've had a slightly better track record for longer um, because I think talent wise, yeah, like they're playing really well right now. The roster is only, you know, it's, it's only so much better is the way it still feels like you mentioned the whole thing with the depth. It feels like not having Josh Richardson could be, could be a tougher loss than expected, even by bringing in Derek white. Yeah. Their benches um, they're they have really limited options on their bench, so they need to stay healthy if they actually yeah, do want to take that a for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, I feel really good about the Celtics. I, do you believe they're a contender right now? But I don't know that, like, I think the East is, like, still so close together that it's tough to say, like, it's, it's tough to look at expectations right now, especially a month out from the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, the matchups are going to be a big component of that. And then just, I don't know, seeing how this team does, uh, you know, down the stretch and, you know, staying healthy is going to be a big factor. And then what other teams do? Did the Nets get to the point where like, okay, yeah, they're turning it on. Like, this is who they should be. Does a team like Chicago, when they get their point guards back, did they start looking like the team that was number one in the East uh, early in the season? And DeRozan's having an MVP season. 
Yeah, right. And then the, the Sixers, what do we make of them? The Bucks, where do they come to? So like there there's a lot of teams. That that's four teams right there. Miami, they they're three games up on the one seed right now. So they they have a little bit of wiggle room. So there there's a lot of teams, you know, the Celtics are still fifth in the East right now. So I guess I'm trying to keep my expectations somewhat tempered, but it's it's hard yeah, to right now. They're when they, at, what, 22 and 8 since the year started. So. Yeah, they're peaking at a perfect time for uh for them to just disappoint us and lose in the first or second right. round. I know there's still a month fools. left in the season. And, yeah. And have this winning streak be just fool's gold. <laughs> uh-huh. So I totally get it from that aspect, especially since the Celtics, we, we, we're, we're aware of their playoff success where they still haven't made a, a finals appearance in, mm-hmm. in a long time now, ever since like the, the big three arrow with Pierce Garnett and Allen, they still haven't made yeah. the finals. So I'm I'm looking right now. I, I didn't realize like what the bench numbers were for that win against the, the Nets. Uh, Celtics scored 126 points, only 14 total points off the bench. Yeah, they did in, not have a lot coming off the bench. No, that was in like second. 60 total minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely definitely a reason for concern. But yeah, I'm ho- I'm hoping that maybe they can get some buyout players at Mint min contracts they got stauskas i, I don't, yeah, I don't I know i didn't even I know ex- he was still in the league i don't i don't know what to expect from him because yeah he was great at michigan but i don't know what he's what never is. really been a, a great nba i don't player, exactly so. expect much from him as an nba player mm-hmm. so i guess um you want to talk about the west a little you want to talk about the lakers they, uh, so you can just crap on on how bad yeah, it was. Hey, you know yeah. what? LeBron scored fifty six against the Warriors on Saturday night. You know, good. Yeah, I was. Good for yeah, him. I, was I watched good. some of that game. I was. Uh-huh. I was curious. Is this your birthday or my birthday on Saturday? Because just the way we'll talk about another game later. Uh, uh-huh. The way that the way that day was going for certain teams. It's like, is this your birthday or mine? Because the Lakers were not playing well, and then all of a sudden LeBron went off in the second half and yeah, scored fifty six and yeah and. Yeah, the Lakers are bad. <laughs> they're and then Westbrook, of course. I'd imagine you saw the news, uh, well, not news, but uh, he, he in his press conference he was asked about his name, Westbrook. I imagine you've heard about that. I saw it was trending. Yeah, um, so, I didn't know that he was actually asked. Yeah, he was that. actually. So there's fans calling him Westbrook, and uh-huh. he did not like that, and he talked about how it's taints his last name and like it affects yeah it it affects him i mean it's it's not a flattering nickname i think it's funny i don't know like it is yeah but like i wouldn't like it shoot better it's not (laughs) it's not that Uh, offensive westbrook that's kind of funny (laughs) because it yeah because it describes how his season is going where he just is not shooting the ball well whatsoever and no there are reports saying that um there's a push to get him to come off the bench so wow that's bad yeah. 40 million dollars too yeah that's right. a brutal contract yeah yeah so so the they're not playing well and, and another thing about the lakers so we knew that they were old but i never realized how small they were <laughs> lebron's playing center basically yeah well anthony davis's injury is a huge factor into how this team season is going as well i mean he just can't stay healthy and that's no. a, that's a big detriment for this team, and that that was something like when when he first got there, I thought it was going to hold him back, and you know I guess maybe the bubble and you know how that played out saved him because obviously he stayed healthy and they won a championship, and he just he hasn't been able to consistently stay on the court, and the Lakers have been a playing team ever since. So, uh, yeah, I mean the 
Oh man, uh, it's just funny thinking back to what everyone was saying. Um, you know, with the oh man, I still the thought they really, I still thought uh, that'd be good. I so, was I was not a believer in this team, and I, I I'm definitely feel validated with how poorly this has gone. I didn't think they um, made the finals, but I still thought that'd be. Be didn't really think good, they, they, they had, they had what, three, 28 and 36 they got three legit all-stars on their team even if they're aging uh-huh. they're still they should still be a lot better than they are yeah i uh i mean i i'm really curious to see how this team plays out in the long term do they move anthony davis and do they even consider trading lebron do they go on a full rebuild what kind of moves do they make in the offseason um, you know, in, in theory, Russell Westbrook won't be back with this team next year, but what does, uh, moving on from him look like? So, uh, yeah, what, I think can you get, what can you get for him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they apparently were, uh, there's a push to trade him for John wall that didn't happen. So we'll see. The thing with Westbrook um, is that, okay, he, he can put up these amazing numbers, but when he's not, when he's on a bad team. Like like OKC when Durant left, it was just him and a lot of just depth pieces. Yeah, he could put up big numbers, but when it comes to actually winning success, uh, Westbrook is not a player that I would count on, especially at, especially now. no, not at all. He's proven this season that you can't. No. What about the Warriors? They've lost yeah, five in a row. They, they're they're not looking great right now, and they don't have so Draymond has been out right. For mm-hmm. a little bit of time. Yeah, now. he. I don't think he's played for yeah, like a I month think, or so. I saw. I saw a stat where I don't remember exactly what the record was, but with him on the court, they're like twenty-seven and seven, and without him, they're like fifteen to fifty, something like that. I don't remember the exact records, but mm-hmm. they're like a five hundred. Yeah, they're five hundred team without really him, player. and then yeah. but they're great when he's still on the, when he's on the court, and so yeah, they're definitely missing him right now. And then yeah, so I watched some of that Warriors Lakers game and. Yeah, mm-hmm. Clay Clay is still for good reason. He's, he's still rusty. Yeah, he's not where he needs to be. If if he can uh, if he can improve uh, later in the year and and not be as rusty, then I still think the Warriors are legit, but that's definitely a big thing to look at is if Clay can continue to improve cuz for his standards, yeah, he still looks kind of rusty out there, especially mm-hmm. defensively. He looks decent offensively. I think he's 17 points per game this season. And so, I th- offensively he's looking okay, but yeah, defensively is, is see he's a great two way defender in, in his prime. But now, yeah, defensively he still needs a little bit of work. Yeah, I don't think anyone should be giving up on them. Yeah, I'm not uh, giving up on the Warriors. I would reason to believe that if, they if can you, turn it on. Yeah, if you stretch. ask me who I think will win the title this year, I'm still gonna lead, I'm still gonna stick with Golden State. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I I I'm aware that it's not looking as great right now than it was early in the year, but I'm still gonna. Picked no, up. well, they blew an opportunity with uh, Chris Paul going down for a long time for the Suns, yeah. thinking that they could maybe catch them for the one seed. Now they're eight and a half back, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Phoenix. You know, I know you were skeptical about their long. Yeah, because chances. I I didn't want to. I felt like it was a time to jump off the bandwagon because uh, obviously I was on it for sure last season. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to jump off now. Now that everyone is hy- hyping on them, but, yeah, but they're no, fifty one and thirteen. Still, so. still great. So. <laughs> uh-huh. I'd, I'd imagine um, they'll still be a contender in the playoffs. Yeah. Another team that uh, is, has played really well in the second half. Uh, they did just lose on Sunday night, but they won their first four second half games by double digits, including, uh, I think, three in a row with 30-point leads, the New Orleans Pelicans. How, uh, 
Yeah, with CJ McCollum. And they're ten seed now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they're they're tenth in the West right now. I mean, they're they're playing really well, and they they blew it against the Nuggets on Sunday. Should have won that game. Which, by the way, Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. Love <laughs> that was incredible. And I Sunday love- he had thirty points in the fourth quarter in overtime to lead a comeback. Forty six total. Yeah, like triple, I think he should triple win MVP double. Again. Yeah, I, he is, he's insane. Yeah, I I love me some Jokic <laughs> for uh-huh. sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, definitely I mean, a Jokic guy. Nuggets another team to watch when Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. come back from injury. So, is Murray they're, they're six in the West right now? Are they done for the season? Both of no, them? they're supposed to be coming back. They're supposed to come back soon. Okay, yeah, I don't know when, but they're both they're both expected to come back. Okay, uh, but yeah, anyway, the Pelicans are they're they're surprising me right now, and um, it sounds like Zion's coming back to New Orleans. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what to make of him at this point, like. Part of me is, or a lot of me is thinking he's going to come back. He's not the player he no, used he to be. Like he's, he, I would might be out of shape. Shut toxic down, teammate. If I'm them, shut them, shut him down for the season. Just because, uh, because if you bring him back, he's just going to re-injure himself. Shut I mean, him I down until he is not, but... fully in shape, fully healthy, and and everything. Just, I, well, I you got to have him in New Orleans for that to happen. Yeah, but I don't think he. I don't know if it's realistic for him to come back. So I guess I if you want to get some either. trade value for him, yeah, maybe you have to put him out there to see how he looks. But I think that I think him in New Orleans, I don't I don't know what the future is for him there because I think it's obvious that I think it's obvious that he was bummed that he did not go to the Knicks on draft yeah, night. And I don't think he wants to be there. I, I I think you could tell on the look on his face, it's like, geez, I could have gone to the Knicks or Lakers and I end up on the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's unfortunate. I um I was really excited when the Pelicans got Zion. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't get a, a Williamson jersey when he was drafted because that could look really poorly in my closet next to my Antonio Brown Steelers jersey <laughs> any day now. Um, or I guess any year now. I don't think he's... I shouldn't say that he's going to get traded well past the deadline, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been disappointing to say the least. Uh, I'm really happy with the way the Pelicans have played. Brandon Ingram's been awesome. CJ McCollum's been great since the, um, you know, he was acquired at the deadline. And I think there's a reason to believe in the Pelicans future with or without Zion, depending on, you know, how they replace him. But yeah, that's, uh, that's been a really, really disappointing three year experiment to this point, And I don't know if there's reason to believe that it's ever going to turn around. Just, I mean, he, he was great last year. He was an all-star when he played. And, you know, when he's not on the court ever, it feels more like this is going to go the way of, like, Greg Oden or even worse, I guess, if he goes and stars oh God, in If he goes York. in the Greg Oden path, that would be brutal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's that path, and then there's the gets out of New Orleans and is the, you know, the second coming of LeBron somewhere else. So like James Harden just gets fat and then all of a sudden he leaves and then just in perfect shape out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, well, let's stick to basketball, but let's uh, change the conversation to the college level. And March Madness is set to start next week, Selection Sunday coming up. We have conference tournaments, but before we kind of get into any of that, Let's look back on this weekend. And uh, you mentioned earlier, so your birthday was on Saturday. Happy belated birthday. Thanks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to talk more about that in a little while. But you did talk about, like, I don't know whose birthday it was. Was it mine or was it yours? And um, 
you know, I think a lot of people might have been, they heard at the beginning, oh, I had COVID, like I was, you know, locked in my house all weekend, couldn't do anything fun. I had a fantastic Saturday <laughs> yeah. night. It was, it was an incredible one, to say the least. One, one of my favorites in a long time. And yeah, COVID we, did not stop me. Would from we even be talking about idea. this if, uh, if so and so team won? Instead. Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. <laughs> I would I would make no note of it. No, and of course, what happened? Uh, so, at the beginning of April, Roy Williams, on April Fool's Day, announces his retirement, effective immediately. He's done. I was convinced it was a prank for a little while, or hoping it was, but in the end, no. Roy said, look, I'm done. Uh, the game has passed me by. I'm older now. I'm going to let Someone else take over. Hubert Davis, my top assistant, he's going to be the guy. I'm going to ride off into the sunset and just be a fan, just be a Carolina alumni, no longer Carolina coach. It's like, all right, it's a good way to go out, Roy. You know, thank you for everything you did. Three national championships. Um, let's move on. Two months later, Mike Krzyzewski, coach of Duke, says, I too am retiring. Uh, I'm older now. Got to focus on my family. Game has passed me by. But I'm going to wait until after the season so that way I can have this big, long, drawn-out retirement farewell tour. Every game I play, the other team's going to give me lots of gifts, and I'm going to have all these tribute videos and ceremonies, and it's going to be a big deal. And ESPN's going to talk about me all season long, and it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And what happens? Final game. So I guess let, let's set the scene. So ESPN and everyone spends all week talking about Coach K's final home game, final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And uh, not to mention the fact that Duke is playing their top rival, North Carolina. That's not what it is about. It's not about all the seniors, their last home game. It's all Coach K, Coach K, Coach K. Yeah, they got the so they got the jackets and the the shirts with the K on it. They got a K logo. Yeah, they got a K logo, like the kind of patch that you wear when a like a legend dies, like the team owner or like a you know a one of your all-time greats and no it's just your coach is retiring but not retiring yet he will be retiring in a few weeks because the season's not over yet um fans are like students the cra cameron crazies they're camping out for weeks to get tickets fans are buying them for six grand set like that's a the average price just getting in it's like three grand like some of these are going crazy you're gonna have 90 Former players in the stands, J.J. Reddick, Shane Battier, Grayson Allen, uh, Christian Leitner, all these guys that I've hated for so long. They're all going to be there. This big spectacle. Jerry Seinfeld's in the crowd. And what happens? Duke loses 94 to 81. And it, it, it was it was incredible. Just an all around amazing three-hour experience for me, um, not just as a Tar Heels fan, but as a Duke hater. Um, let's kind of start from the beginning, though. So this game <laughs> now was... Now we start from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, no, now now let's start from the beginning. We know the ending. Let's start from the beginning. So the, this game is set to tip off at 6 o'clock. We all knew it wasn't really going to tip off at 6 because, again, it's Coach K, you're going to have a big tribute before the game, big, uh, you know, whatever they do to set the tone. But before this game on ESPN, it's Texas and Kansas. And that game goes to overtime. It's crunch time between Texas and Kansas. Uh, it was tied game late. 
and they cut away from the game to show Coach K just standing there, uh, you know, ready to come out and do his entrance. And we get to show a video of him walking onto Cameron Indoor Stadium for the final time. Well, Texas and Kansas, huge game in the Big 12 is coming down to the wire. And as as a Tar Heels fan, I wanted to watch this game just for that reason. It was like, yeah, it's a whole Coach K stuff, Duke, whatever. But like, I want to watch my team. This is a big game. I, I want to see how it plays out. So I was I'm, a little I'm indifferent frustrated. to both teams, and I still wanted to watch it. Yeah, and like I guess I was a little frustrated in the moment that Kansas and Texas was running late and that uh, Bill Self calls a timeout with like a few seconds left because Kansas has an inbound. They get to drop a play, whatever. They come out and then Chris Beard of Texas calls a timeout. It's like a, like in a football game when a, a team is about to run like a crucial fourth and five and uh, the other team calls a timeout because they want to see the offensive alignment or the defensive alignment first. And uh they uh yeah so texas does that so it just keeps going and then kansas miss a shot get a rebound put it up seemingly tie the game look at it well after the buzzer um so they the game goes to overtime and they're like all right well i guess we're gonna put north carolina duke on espn too and we missed the entire pregame ceremony it was supposed to be on espn all this stuff instead you have to watch it on the app so that's hilarious. Uh, again, I'm a little annoyed that I have to go find ESPN2 because I don't have cable. I have YouTube TV. It's not as simple as just pressing channel up, channel down, whatever. I have to actually go look for it. But whatever. Think more about it. I'm like, that is hilarious. Like they have all this stuff for Coach K planned out and it's not even on the national TV. You have to go out of your way to watch it. Uh, and then the game plays out. UNC gets off to a great start and it's kind of back and forth. Duke looks like they're about to pull away heading into the locker room. Huge three. Uh, I think it was Brady. No, it wasn't Brady Manic. I want to say it was RJ Davis or it might have been Caleb Love, whatever. Someone, someone for Tar Heels hit a three, 41 39 going to the locker room. So, like the whole first half, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to believe at this point. And I also realized that the whole spectacle, everything that was going on, it just really strengthened my hatred for Duke and just made me really realize how high up there they are for me when it comes to teams that I hate. Uh, because there, there are a lot of teams for sure, but they, I, they'll always hold a very special hatred in my heart. And it's one where it's not even just hating them because I'm a fan of their rivals, but just hating them because of who they are and what they represent and their fans and their students. Like I'm just looking around at the crowd and like, you guys are all losers, all these nerds in the crowd. Like, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's a special hatred. Yeah. They're, they're, so. Yeah. Duke basketball, they definitely carry themselves uh, to a higher standard than others. And it's kind of like Notre Dame football in a way, but I think Duke basketball. Yeah. I don't at really... least won some national championships. So yeah. like, that's a little different than Notre Dame football right. in the last 30 <laughs> years. But yes, no, I mean, they're a very hateable program, very hateable team. There are a lot of people who aren't big Tar Heels fans or fans of other ACC schools that just hate Duke because they represent, I don't know, like the, the Lakers and the Cowboys and the Yankees and just this like group of like bandwagon, fair weather fan type yeah, of teams. Yeah, I, I talked about how I don't mind the Cowboys. I find them a like a likable team on the field, but one thing I hate about them is their fans. They carry themselves poorly. They carry themselves like they've won every single year. And Duke, Duke fans are a lot like that. Now Duke has won <laughs> a lot, but they still carry themselves very poorly. Yeah, so. you actually, um, 
you came up with a, a bunch of like potential five questions. Yeah. Um, you text me. One of them was you're, you're on a first date with someone. They say who, Oh, I support this team. You get up and leave. Who is the team? I actually was thinking during the game, it's Duke without was, a doubt for me. I specifically like they, put that question. So you would say Duke <laughs> basketball. So yes, I love that. It is a hundred percent Duke basketball. Like if, <laughs> You know what? If I ever decide to like get back on like online dating apps, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down here and I come across like Duke student or like a Duke fan. It, it's an automatic swipe. Lock. Like I, I can't I couldn't do it like there. And it, it might be crazy hearing that like people are like, oh, what about Clemson football? I've met a lot of great Clemson students. I think that they're very similar to South Carolina students when it comes down to it. That's not a deal breaker for me. Patriots fans. That would be silly. Like if I ever move back to New England, it's going to be really difficult if my dating pool doesn't include Patriots fans. And then I don't know, like LeBron fans, like he'll be retired soon enough. Like it's whatever. Uh, Duke fans, like I just I hate them as as overall. Like just whether it's the t-shirt fan or the the actual um, you know student alumni, like I, I just couldn't do it. I don't I think that would actually be the deal breaker for me and I, I do have some friends who are duke fans and i i that's the thing that i hate about them and i the worst part of having covid was genuinely not being able to watch this game with duke fans because that would have been <laughs> incredible experience well you also would have taken the risk that if you did watch them and oh i know won, i thought for sure i thought for sure this would be like the first game where duke won by 20 they were up by 28 late and uh, yeah, anyway, I guess we just... I watched that game too. No, not at all. That game sucked, and I watched that one alone because I was I was isolating to try to prevent getting COVID before traveling, and uh, you know I'm missing this one actually with COVID. So yeah, I had to watch them both alone, and yeah. Anyway, fast forward, UNC wins the game, ninety four to eighty one. They just pull away late, and the last five minutes, like I I was. I was going crazy watching this game by myself. Like you would not know that I was dealing with any kind of sickness. Like I was just like acting like totally normal. That was all on my mind. And I like just running around my apartment. I was like, it, it was, I don't think I'd ever acted like that for a North Carolina basketball game. Like even the national championships, I don't think I was going that crazy. Like th this game was way, way up there in terms of games that I watched like th this like the Steelers are my number one team in all of sports. Like that, that's how I acted when they pulled off the, the win against the Ravens, you know, then overtime, like the, really getting into it like that to me was the same way I was acting for this regular season, North Carolina Duke game. And the Tar Heels aren't even that great this year. Like they're going to the tournament, but they're a mediocre team. They're going to be like a seven or an eight seed. Maybe they're probably worse. not making it to the sweet 16. Yeah, it could be worse. We'll see what happens in the AC tournament, but this was the signature win for this team. But it was just all about ruining coach K's final home game. Yeah. And then Matt, I was uh, the amount of fans were crying. Yes, I loved it. Having was, they're like in like crazy. Sesame Street even... costumes, or wearing full full blown like basketball uniforms. Some dude with a headband and a jersey on, like thinking like, "Oh, it's we're up late in this one. Maybe Coach K will look to the crowd and let me check in for a minute or two." Like it's the last. It's not even the ridiculous. last. It's it's the last home game for him. Yeah, yeah it's just the last home game. It's not like the season's over. Yeah. Duke could still win the national championship. And just ruin everything about this last game for me. They could just make it not even matter. But yeah, it's 
Ah, it was great. And that's another thing. Like I, I loved seeing Duke fans cry. What, like, crying uh, though. Like, like what? There why? are times <laughs> where it's, it's tough. Like even teams that I don't like, I start feeling bad for, you know, fans and players did not feel bad at all. Like I had zero absolute shade and Freud just watching these. I, I didn't horror, understand like, upset that. Duke fans and I didn't former understand how players. so many people are crying though. Just they're obsessed with the guy. It's Coach K's last home game. It's uh, last if, time. If Belichick was coaching it. his last game, I wouldn't cry. <laughs> I didn't care. Like, oh, he had a, I'm glad he coached the Patriots for all these years. Sometimes I didn't like him, but overall, I'm glad he was the coach. But I wouldn't freaking cry over it. <laughs> Duke fans, they're, they're special kind of fans. A, I don't that know was, what to that say. Was, that was the most absurd thing about all that was the fans crying. Well, and then, and then, and then he course, gives that... He after the game ceremony. He gives a speech. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 like, he yells at the crowd. He yells at the fans. Tells them to be quiet. I when that happened, I was like, I'm watching every second of this. This is going to be incredible. And just everyone just Coach K, we love you. Like you're the best. And he just like what happened this afternoon was unacceptable. I can't believe we lost my final home game. My players let me down. This is a joke. I want to get out of here. Let's just get it over with. Threw the team under a bus. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And the, I mean, I don't know what the best part of the post game thing was is, well, I guess, no, the best part was definitely him yelling at the crowd, but I, I love slash hate. I love it because Duke lost the game would have absolutely hated if they won that Coach K narrated his own tribute video. (laughs) He's like, yeah, here's the video we're going to play for you. Give us the the voiceover. You're going to produce the whole thing. Like, in a... I don't know who would have done it otherwise. I'm sure they could come up with a player. JJ Reddick, he would have been perfect to do that. He has a podcast. He knows how to talk. Yeah, he's great. Why not have him do it? Yeah. (laughs) If people hated him when he was in at Duke, he's he's a really likable guy I now. Zero hatred for him at this point. Yeah. You still hate Grayson Allen. Uh don't hate JJ Reddick at all. Yeah, JJ Reddick's awesome now. But yeah, you could certainly make a case to hate him though in college. No, oh, for him. sure. He certainly yeah, brought it on but, himself then. No, that that was just that was ridiculous. There's just so many things to just hate on about the way this season has played out. And what sucks is they're still a really good team. They're gonna be a two seed in the yeah. NCAA tournament. I would love for them to lose to a seven seed in the second round. Just a perfect unceremonious ending to what was supposed to be a season filled with passion. You'd rather have them lose to a 17 than a 15 seed. I mean, I'm trying to be realistic. I know they lost to a 15 seed. They lost to a 15 seed Lehigh. They did. Yeah, I know. CJ McCollum. Um, I don't think it's going to happen again, but they, they could certainly get bounced. Lost to 14 seed Mercer. It can happen. They did. I know it, it does happen every now and then, but I guess just to be twice in three years. You're trying to be a little bit more realistic, especially since I think they won it all the next year. They did. Yeah, yeah they did win it all in 2015. <laughs> yeah, hey, 2017, the uh, the Gamecocks seven seed. It, they played in Greenville, which is likely where Duke's going to play. And uh, that, that was a team that was like, they weren't super great all year. And then they go on a big run to win the ACC tournament. They end up as a two seed. So many people are buying them as national champions. And then the Gamecocks go and beat them. And uh, I think that, like I know it's not going to be South Carolina again because uh, this team has not been good at all um, or anywhere near where they should have been after that Final Four run, but it would be fantastic if 
some team does actually go and <laughs> shock them, pull off the upset, and uh, just knock them out. And all right, Coach K is done. Doesn't even make a Sweet 16. So anyway, um, <laughs> I will say it was not all happy news in terms of uh, college basketball games played in Durham this weekend for me because on Sunday, UNH was upset by Binghamton in the first round of the American East playoffs. Um, you know, three seed, I really bought into this team and they lost 72 to 69. Kind of got screwed over by the refs a little. Um, questionable moving screen call on a three-pointer that would have tied the game with 15 seconds to go. So that was that was a tough one to lose. You Definitely brought back? me back down to reality. You know who's yeah. back in the tournament, though? Loyola, Loyola Chicago. Chicago Ramblers. Watch out. They're going to ramble all the way back to the Sweet 16. January, hopefully... January February, Sister Jean. Can't That's, wait. Uh, they're, they're I don't care it. who they're facing. <laughs> I, mean, if it's, I don't. Yeah, if they're, I'd imagine they'll be. They won't be like a 15 or 16 seed. I imagine it'll be like. No, a, they'll be like an 11. Yeah, 10, seed 10 or 11 seed. I'd imagine. Yeah, they had a shot to get in even if they lost that game. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Lenardi's latest bracketology had them as an 11 with Purdue as the three seed. Purdue, they they lost last year as a four seed. I'll so. probably take him whoever it is. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, you got to pick him to go to the Sweet Hey, hey my, my best, uh, my, my bracket last year, it was, it, they had some good picks, but by far the best pick, and I'll fully make just total bias. <laughs> Loyola <laughs> Chicago. Loyola Chicago over the, the line I. <laughs> mm-hmm. Didn't exactly have an expert analysis. Just, just like, hey, this is the this is my team, and I'm not super high on uh, line eye compared to other one seeds. I'm like, all right, might as well do it. Because if it was like Second, a Doug or a Baylor, yeah. I probably would have taken one of the other two teams. But, I know. I, but. I was between Gonzaga and Illinois. Um, <laughs> very disappointed that Illinois lost to Loyola Chicago, but I, I'll probably be with you this year and uh, rooting for the Ramblers. Um, but yeah, the picking them to make 16 last year was the second most impressive Sweet 16 pick behind Ben picking or oh, that's what I was just about to that's what I was just about to say too is that even though I had that pick by far the most impressive Sweet 16 pick was Oral Roberts <laughs> <laughs> yeah total joke that actually worked out oh that was uh, awesome yeah yeah so, there have been a lot of great moments for for us and like other friends uh, I loved I don't know if you remember this one but I, I remember. One of my favorite ones was BMAC, Brian McAfee. He had the Florida Gulf, Florida Gulf Coast over Georgetown in the. Did he really? Yeah, it was in 2013. He had he, he wasn't that high on Georgetown, and but and he figured, you know what? Let's go with Florida Gulf in the, the 15 seed. It was a Dunk City or Lob City. Yep. I, I, Dunk, yeah, Dunk City. Yeah, Dunk City. Dunk City. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that we didn't even get to watch that game because the premiere of Spring Breakers was oh you saw that that night yeah i would i went with uh him and a few other guys that we went with to watch that movie but so because of that we weren't able to watch the game but we were like on our phones like look at the box score it's like yo Florida yeah they're, actually gonna <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna be yeah. down. <laughs> i um i watched that at the house of someone who i don't necessarily want to jinx it but is in line to be a guest on our show next week to talk nfl free agency and more with us um and i'll just leave it at that but i did pick georgetown to make the final four that year so i was not (laughs) rooting for the eagles literally every time a two seed has made like has lost to a 15 i had them in the final four except maybe duke when they lost to lehigh but i had mizzou in the final four who lost i remember you had uh 
New Mexico. I had Ohio State in the. Yep, I yeah. New Mexico when Harvard lost, lost Harvard. or Harvard won, and, and yeah. New Mexico. Yeah, lost. no, I had Ohio State in the Final Four last year. You had Pitt. I don't know if you just said it, but Pitt uh, lost. This is a one seed. Pitt lost. Yeah, they lost to an eight seed. Butler. Yeah, Butler. That they actually went. Yep. They actually went to the championship game. And, yep. Yeah, that that was another big one. I, I've 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 had some great moments, but definitely plenty more bad ones. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I've I've had a lot of terrible ones, a handful of really good ones. I I still haven't correctly picked a national champion other than North Carolina, unless yeah, you count Louisville, who was stripped of their. Title. I've only have gotten one correct one, and it was freaking Kentucky when they had Anthony oh, yeah, Davis Anthony and Kid Gilchrist. Yeah. They had the most loaded team ever. I'm like, uh, okay, great, I got that one right. The number one overall yeah. seed. Yeah, great, I got that one. I know right. I didn't want them to win, so I picked Kansas instead, and they lost. Yeah, so yeah. Like, that I don't even know if that even counts. Picking the number one overall team, I, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. my, one of my favorite ones though is uh, it was me, you, and uh, half uh, like ten other people. We were in a group, and I ended up winning. And it was only because I was the only one that had a Final Four team in. It was because it was that it was year. UConn. It was UConn, yeah, Kentucky, and there was like Butler and VCU. And I was like, "Wow, I'm the uh, only one that has a team in the Final Four." Yeah. So I ended up winning just because of that because I had I had uh-huh. Kemba Walker and the UConn Huskies in my Final yep. Four. And I, this is the only that doesn't even count. That's, That's all it took. I know. Yeah. Every now and then that happens. I'm so excited for March Madness. I love it's gonna be fun. I'm the biggest square when it comes to March Madness, and I still love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of co- uh, the tournament, though, is that you could be the biggest square when it comes to college basketball, and you'll just pick some teams that just have a cool name or just something uh-huh. fun about it, or you'll pick a team because you hate the other team, and 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 you're. A square is just as likely to have a good bracket as the experts that just break down every single team and every single thing about mm-hmm. them in the region, and, and the bracket will be busted by the, the second day. That's why I encourage everyone to fill out a bracket, especially in my He's Done It bracket pool on yeah. ESPN Tournament Challenge. It's uh, if it's an optional $10 buy-in. You can Venmo me at Corey Novotny, all lowercase, no special characters. Password is this is March. I'm going to promote it on the different socials, but definitely running it back this year. We had 27 of us in it last year. I would love to get the 30, increase that buy-in. Yeah, so. and I, I fully expect to burn $10 by the first or second day, but I don't care. <laughs> My I'm, goal is to not lose a Final Four team in the first round this year. I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I, I remember, What was so frustrating about last year was that I had Oklahoma State in my Final Four, and oh, yeah. they they had a wide open path at one point mm-hmm. in the tournament because Illinois, Illinois lost. And then who were the two and three seeds in that, uh, that region oh, that year? I forgot who it was. They... Um, UCLA ended up advancing as the 11, Houston. Right? Houston was one. Oh, Houston. Yeah. Houston went to the final. Okay. I know they were, yeah. I know there were two seed, but it's like, yeah, UCLA Houston? is in Michigan's region. I, yeah. Right. I, I did like, not believe in them at all. I, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't believe in that team either. But then Oklahoma State lost to Oregon State. They lost to Oregon round. State. Yeah, they, it's just <laughs> they had a wide open path to the Final Four. It's like, all right, I'm gonna uh-huh. nail this pick, and then all of a sudden they get they get upset by freaking the the freaking Beavers, and then the, the yep. Beavers beat the Ramblers. So that that was a double. Oh win. yeah, that's right. Yeah, they ended up going to the Elite Eight instead. Yep. Yeah, yeah, crazy tournament in Indiana last year. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm I'm I love this time of the year, even though I'm. As 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 it's the best as, time of the sports year. As dumb of a college basketball analyst, 
quote unquote analyst as I am, uh, I still love it. I still yep, enjoy it for sure. All right, let's uh, get ready to wrap up this episode now. So as we mentioned a little while ago, your birthday was on Saturday. You celebrated by going to Encore Boston Harbor uh, Casino in Everett, Mass. Did you win a lot of money? No, not really. Like, <laughs> did you lose a lot of money? No, not really. Like, just okay. That's uh, good. You had a fun time. Yeah, good it wasn't. Night. It yeah. wasn't exactly like Vegas, where like me, you, and others, like we were putting big money on stuff. And so yeah, it was just more casual. Experience. It was very casual. Like, just I, I, I ate out when the Duke North Carolina game. I watched that game at a restaurant we went to, and that was interesting. Very, very fun time. <laughs> yeah, so it was more relaxing than anything. Um, outside of like it wasn't like the vegas one where i obviously played a lot more mm-hmm. and, and as well as you and others yeah i mean that, that makes sense i've uh i've had some more casual experiences just you know going doing day trips to yeah. encore foxwoods other casinos in new england uh but because of that trip uh we thought let's take the time to count down our favorite casino games in this week's top five not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So before we get into our lists, um, I think it's important to say that you and I, we're, we're casual gamblers for the most part, especially in casinos. It's not a thing we do regularly. Yeah. Like, um, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to the ones we're going to talk about, most of them are pretty casual, uh, if not all of them. But yeah, like I, I'm not super serious, but as we get down, as we get closer and closer to number one, that's probably when I, you'll see in the order, like how much, <laughs> how seriously I take each one. Uh, uh-huh. Because of my number five. I well, no, with... for, no, sorry, real quickly. Oh, okay, go ahead. I got to yeah. say, yes, we are responsible gamblers, but if you or someone you know has a problem, <laughs> the national problem gambling helpline, no, like it's serious. Like, yeah, I think yeah. we have to, we're going to talk about it. The national problem gambling helpline, 1-800-522-4700 is available 24-7, is 100% confidential. This hotline connects callers to local health and government organizations that can assist with their gambling addiction. The National Council on Problem Gambling offers text services at 800-522-4700, as well as chat services through their website, The organization also offers a comprehensive list of resources that can help an individual with gambling addiction. Got to throw that out there. It is a serious thing. You know, we're saying this a fun topic. Like, you know, we like to think that we gamble responsibly for the most part. We know that is an actual problem that some people have. So I just want to make sure there are resources available to you or someone, you know, if that is a thing. So that being said, start (laughs) off with your number five. For my number five, I went with blackjack, and I gotta tell you, I, I'm not good at blackjack at all. It, when uh, when we were when we were in <laughs> when we were in Vegas, I remember me, BMac, and Cam. We played blackjack for a bit. I those two played more than me, and and you guys all played more than I did. But I played once with them, and I could not have lost my money quicker. <laughs> and it wasn't a you're lot. You're playing on a real table with was, other people. No, it was just us two. And it was us two, me and the dealer and like maybe one other oh. person at the okay. time. And I lasted probably like not even joking, like half dozen hands. And it was so dumb because I'm sure there, I'm sure an expert would say that there's a lot more skill involved. And, but I felt like it was just blind luck, like how quickly I lost because I remember when I played, 
there was one hand where I had 12. So obviously, if you have 12, you're thinking, hey, hit me, right? Yeah. I got a 10, and then I busted. And then I remember Mm. one hand where me, BMAC, and Cam, we had all pretty good numbers. It was like 18, 19, or 20, something in that range. The dealer, 21. Then we Mm. just all lost. It was it, and and then I got, it got to a point where I was just done, and she's like, "All right, well, I played once, and I'm only going to play this once because that was <laughs> it." Can just, be frustrating for sure. I felt like I had no control of whatsoever, and but at the same time, the game is a fun concept. You, like you kind of understand uh-huh. like, what you have to do. You gotta when you gotta get 21, and you can't bust, and you have to beat not only the your opponents but also the dealer as well. Well, you just have to beat the dealer. Right. Or, 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 you or right, right, exactly that's what I meant. And uh mm-hmm. but it's number 5 because I really only know how to I can only put money on five different things and blackjack is my least favorite of the five. <laughs> so that's why I put it at number 5. Okay. It might have been someone else, but I I heard a story that you were playing with other people and didn't know what you were doing, making really dumb decisions, and the other people got so upset that they just got up and walked away. It might not have been you. might have been someone else who has the same name as you. Um, from the sounds of it, that might have been it. But I'm try- I'll give I'm, it to I'm you. Legit- you I'm just legit- lost money I'm and didn't lose to- other people money. I'm trying to think, but I, that doesn't ring a bell for me. So Okay, well, that's good. No, that's good. I, yeah, I, I, I won't blame you any further. I'll move on to my number five, which is horse racing. And as much as I loved losing all of my money on the Kentucky Derby when I was in Las Vegas in 2019, I'm specifically talking about the casino horse racing game where it's half virtual, but also like has a real life horse track with a bunch of horses that move around and you like place money on them. They all have different odds, like two to one, four to one, six to one. Sometimes they'll have crazy odds, like 15 to one, 200 to one, like yeah, maybe not that high, but like 60 to one. Yeah, they get they get crazy. And those ones never win. Like if you see like the past victories, it's always like seven to one or worse, usually like two, three, four. Um, but it's it's a fun game. It's a fun one to get together. Like all your friends, you're like watching the horses go. You're cheering them on, even though you have zero effect on it. And every now and then you win and it, it's fun. And uh, I didn't get into it as much as other people did, <laughs> yeah. but on on Friday night, we went to Guy Fieri's Vegas Kitchen okay. at the link, and there was a long wait, and I just wasted like you know twenty thirty minutes of that wait playing horse racing, which was right outside in the you know the casino. I was like, this is great, just sitting there. I think you were sitting across from me. You were like, all right, cool. Didn't really yeah, I won win a couple anything, times, but very casual. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, uh, cheering on the horses. So it's, this is this is my number four, and yeah, I. I definitely had a time. Maybe, like you said, I wasn't in the same boat as others playing it as much, but I was in the same boat with you where we played enough times to have fun with it and watch other people. And yeah, like we'd bet on, yeah, you can bet on the, on the horses at two to one or four to one and so on. And what I would do is I would bet the one that had some sort of long odds, but not ridiculous odds where it's like, all right, this horse yeah. has some chance of uh, winning, but I'd never pick the favorite. Like that's not fun. Like oh, like I'm I'm gonna bet a two to one horse and it's gonna kick everyone's ass. Like no, I wanna I wanna pick the one that's a little bit more of a long shot. And then sometimes it didn't win a course, but sometimes it actually did, mm-hmm. and it was great. You you would a triple up or, or much much higher than that. But yeah, I would usually go for the second or third best odds. Yeah, and then exactly. if there was one that was like 
crazy, like 75 to one, obviously you're going to put something on it because you don't want it to win and you don't get anything, but it's not going to, but just in case, you know, so it was, um, it was great. We got got into it way more. It's it's a fun one. Yeah. That one was a fun one for sure. Yeah. Uh, That was my number four as well. Yeah. All right. So for my number four, uh, I will never encourage someone to play slot machines because that's an easy way to lose money. But if you're going to play a slot machine, it's got to be the Buffalo slot machine because I swear this is the one slot machine that actually gives away money. I have a winning record on this. <laughs> There's no other slot machine that anyone in the world can say that about. Like It's a game where I'm like, hmm, I'm, I'm kind of bored right now. I don't want to lose a ton of money. I'm going to throw in $20 in a Buffalo and I'm going to walk away with 40 somehow. It's a slot machine. It just it just gives away money. It, you know, it, they'll start you're like Buffalo and you, you get a lot and it gives you a bunch of free spins all the time. I love Buffalo slot machine ever since my first trip to Vegas as a 21 year old. Like it is has been my go to slot machine whenever I have the opportunity every now and then I'll play and I won't win anything. But more often than not, I'm at least breaking even. You know, I'm not losing money on it. And usually I'm actually winning something. So. Uh, had to make my list at number four. Yeah, so we were talking about like winning, losing, or breaking even. So blackjack, I'm only going to play once because I was not going to win. And then uh-huh. with horse racing, yeah, I, I wasn't really winning or losing. It was probably more. It was breaking even, but if I was losing, it wasn't really a lot. It was just for and you're oh, having fun doing exactly, it. and it was fun. It was a lot more fun uh, than blackjack. Uh, and whether if it was playing or watching. Uh, but for my number three, I went with roulette, and I feel like there's there's luck with this game, but I feel like it's also there's 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 a good amount of skill and luck as well. But and strategy. What is the skill in roulette? Okay, what is the strategy? All right, right maybe it's it. more maybe it's more luck than anything. the strategy is. Oh, it it, it was strategy. heads five times in a row. It's got to be tails this time, yeah. right? Is that the strategy? <laughs> Well, what I would do is I so my strategy. So one time I played roulette, not in Vegas, but with but at Boston Billiards. I remember, or I think it was Boston Billiards, but whatever. But which is in in our hometown. Yeah, exactly. And I remember not as cool as it sounds. Yeah, I remember my strategy was all right. I'm going to put five on black or five on red, and then the other five will be five numbers that aren't. So if I put five on red, it'd be five on black numbers. And I remember one time like I was running on a heater to the point where I actually hit double zero twice and it was awesome. And I won. Wow. Yeah, I won in the like a little over a hundred bucks and it was it was great. It was awesome. But I remember playing it in Vegas with you guys, like on the the like not like the video one, like not not like yeah. So like it would have an actual wheel with a ball that actually span around, spun around, but like yeah, it was on a video board. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a real dealer was dropping the ball yeah. in. So skill is not the right word. Strategy is the word I meant to use. Sure, like, yeah, no, which I, I I get it. Yeah, yeah, there's ways to win and lose. Like you're hedging yourself is basically yeah, what you're doing. There's a lot lot of hedging <laughs> in uh-huh. roulette for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's one. There's definitely a little bit of a, uh, like, oh, I just lost 20 bucks. So I got to put in 20 more to win it back. Uh-huh. And so that one I try to be careful with because I remember when there'd be winning and losing, but once I lost a little bit too much, it's like, all right, I, I can't, uh-huh. I can't go too hard on this one. Uh, but it's still, that one was still fun because of just the concept of the game where you're hitting all these, trying to 
hit all these numbers or colors and or even zero or double zero and that one's definitely a fun one yeah we'll uh we'll talk about that one more in a bit but for now we'll go back to a game that you already talked about that's blackjack and blackjack for a time would have been probably my number one on this list uh our most recent trip to vegas i kind of fell out of favor with it just because i think a lot of it was just i didn't have the same success i had um when i go there i very much prefer to play the virtual and one thing i talked about with you like scaring other people away i don't like playing like the idea of playing like a high stakes game of blast Shack, as much as i feel like i'm i kind of know what i'm doing i know the right time to hit the right time to stay i don't want to be the reason that other people lose money because i make the dumb choice so um, I know like dealers will help you out a little with that, but it feels like that's less and less a thing if you're playing a really high stakes game in Las Vegas. So I would like to stick to the virtual one. And I, I love playing it in like like the little casinos in our hometown, like at, at Boston Billiards and other other like bar things that we have. Um, you know, less pressure, less stress free. I always love the idea of just playing a game of blackjack where friends like I'm just going to put all of my money and like give it to you guys so you can play which is just a ridiculous concept um but yeah i, I do really enjoy blackjack uh, a little more than you not as much as i used to I, I think there are other games that i prefer these days but it's it's definitely my favorite card table game yeah but when it comes to blackjack i just feel like i said this already but i'll say it again i i feel like i had not any control whatsoever while roulette you do have control where you can put it on any number or color or whatever and it, it's up to fate to hit the number of color that you put it on. But blackjack, yeah. you could you could make the right moves and still lose, which is why I hate. It's a lot. I know it's a lot more fun when you're winning, and it's very frustrating when the it's it feels like, all right, like the game is going against you. Yeah, I got a twelve, hit me, and then twenty two. Uh-huh. It's just okay. Well, yep. I made the right move, but I still lost, and this is stupid. Yeah, where so, it's like, oh, I got a twenty. Finally, dealer gets twenty one. Blackjack is. It's one I I wish I was better at. <laughs> That's yeah. I, oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Because I think if I were better at it, then I, I would have it higher on my list. But yeah, for out sure. Of the five, it's definitely the one I was worst at, and so that's why I was mm-hmm. five on my list uh, instead of. Which makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm going in uh, descending order, or descending order of what I'm worst at to what I feel like I'm best at of the ones that are available in casinos. So. That's why blackjack was five, horse racing was four, roulette was three, and then my number two is poker. And I'm not going to pretend at all whatsoever. I'm a sharp poker player, but I feel confident in myself and that I can that I can win reasonable amount of money, whether that's playing with you guys, whether that's in person or online poker, where we play World Series of Poker now, like the online app. Uh, and like playing Thinking with you to guys. try out for the real thing one day. So I would have to be much, <laughs> much richer and much, much better. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a lot of money. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm confident myself in, in terms of like, in terms of winning in poker against you guys or um, maybe even, yeah, it's like some random people at the casino. But like World Series poker, no. Like, not, certainly no, not even close to being mm-hmm. skilled enough or rich enough whatsoever uh, to, to play <laughs> yeah, in world both series. big obstacles that, like would that, that be a bucket list thing sure but like that is not realistic whatsoever and that'll it, be in your 2023 new year's resolution <laughs> 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 yeah well we'll we'll see we'll see yeah we'll see uh, we'll see when that will be a resolution with us 2023 or 20 
53. Yeah. Yeah. But, but poker, I feel confident myself that I, I know what I'm doing. Maybe not against like a pro or whatever, of course not, but against casual people or like friends or just random people at the casino. You saw me play. You spent like four hours at the table. Yeah. And I, I you're, not, you're holding I, your own. Yeah. I, I, so I did pretty well and I profited not a lot or not as much as I wanted, but I did help. I did pretty well. Like I, I played for a few hours. <laughs> there was one, one of the reasons why was because there was one really dumb person at the table. And uh. what's funny is that there was like an all in, all in situation between me and him. And I had pocket Kings and he thought he had pocket aces, but he had an ace and four. <laughs> so, so I was just like, I guess that means I win. <laughs> he doesn't have pocket. Oh, so wow. that was part of the reason. That was one of the things that did help. It yeah. wasn't the entire reason, but that was one. Uh, <laughs> that was one of, he was a nice guy though. So I don't want to crap uh, him too much. Like he, cause he was, he definitely was just giving away his money faster than Calvin. Yeah. Ridley. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he was a nice guy though. So I don't want to crap him too much, but yeah, that yeah. was, that was not good. <laughs> uh, and so now I, yeah. So that was my number two for poker. Yeah, and you you are very good at poker. Uh, you're much better in Texas Hold'em in particular. Like that's the game that yeah. So I Texas Hold'em, yeah. It that I couldn't play three card poker. I, I certainly have to learn that yeah. other aspect. But Texas Hold'em is what I definitely uh, no. Yeah, I would never play it at a casino, partially because I don't have the like the attention span to want to play long enough to do well. And also cause I just, I'm not confident in what I'm doing. I'm not a good poker player. Um, you know, even when we play amongst our friends, like it's fun from a social perspective, but I yeah. hate playing online because I feel like I just lose all my money just to be like, you know, talking to people virtually. It's not mm-hmm. really my preferred hangout method, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy playing video poker in casinos <laughs> and that's like kind of like the slot machine S game where it's like, there's like all the different options, like um, the, you know, triple double or whatever jacks jacks are better. Like all, all those different games. I love playing those. And, you know, you get your five cards, you pick the ones you want to keep and then it'll deal more to you. And every now and then I'll, I'll have a really nice hand. I'll play well. More often than not, I'm losing money on them, but it's a fun one. I uh, I remember the last day we were in Vegas. I decided to stay an extra day compared to everyone. Everyone flew out in the morning. I didn't flow, fly out until nighttime, and I was just sitting at the bar at MGM Grand just having a couple drinks and playing the video poker. So it was cool. It was a, it was a good way to kind of pass some time. I ended up playing a little bit of Buffalo slot machine as well, just bouncing around a lot. But yeah, it's... uh. It's one of my go-tos these days. I, I started playing it a lot um, a few years ago when I went to Vegas. And I, you know, every time I'm in a casino, even if it's, you know, Foxwoods, Encore, I'll look for the, uh, I think it's called Poker King is the, the brand that makes it. I'll look for that, you know, that area and I'll, I'll have a good time. So, yeah, I, this isn't exactly video poker, but we play on World Series of Poker online, like we talked about with friends, but there'll be times where I'll actually just to kill time like i'll play it by myself against random people online and it it's not the same exact thing as what you're saying but it it is kind of fun uh even if i'm not i'd obviously rather play with friends and and like with you guys and but i i don't mind playing it like randomly with against other people and 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 also just 
practice. It's good practice as well. Um, For sure. <laughs> the uh, the Pelicans are losing to the Grizzlies 77 to 58 at halftime. John Morant only has 14 points. CJ McCollum is 25, and no one else is really doing anything. Looks Tony like, Snell with an Ofer. It looks like the Grizzlies got the, the right guy <laughs> in that draft. Yeah. Which oh, is for I mean, sure. Which is something I would not have imagined, even though Ja was really good in college at Murray mm-hmm. State. I would not yeah, have expected hey, him to be the, the Zion better. Zion is not playing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, even if yeah. Ja was wasn't even that great, like, he's on the court. So yeah, hey, availability is the best ability, right? Yeah, a Belichick would certainly agree with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, wrap us up with your number one. Yeah, so for my number one, I went. This is sort of a cop out, but it it is technically at the casino, and that is going to the sports book. Now, when we were in Vegas for the few days that we were there, there. I left Vegas thinking, you know what? I I obviously had a fun time like everyone else. There were some things that I wish I could have done or or did more of or done differently. But one thing that I did not regret was Sunday (laughs) getting up at 8 in the morning or whatever and going with uh, VMAC to the MGM Grand Sportsbook and then just sitting on our ass all day <laughs> watching the games like for like seven hours. Like seven hours. I loved uh, it. I thought I, I got a glimpse of what heaven looks like <laughs> <laughs> if I even get to go there. Uh, uh, but that was definitely a time. And I'll fully admit, I, I bet on probably half a dozen games. And I think the only one that I did not win money on was Browns Vikings. I bet the Vikings and the Browns end up winning in a very, very yeah, low scoring 14. Yeah, 14 Vikings to scored seven a touchdown game. the first yeah, possession. Didn't score first, again. yeah, first touchdown of the game. Like, all right, this game is going to be a yep. lock. And all of a sudden, they didn't do anything the rest of the game. That was the only game I lost money on outside of that. Uh, I did really well. Now, that wouldn't be the case whatsoever. I am not a sharp. Better. You just had a lucky day. I had yeah. a, exactly. I had a lucky day. Like, so matter, no matter if I won or lost, I had fun. <laughs> like i'll admit that's, you know what that's that's the important thing when it comes to gambling yeah. as long as you have fun yeah it's, it's obviously i want to make definitely. money though like that's definitely uh-huh. the more fun part of it but i was having fun no matter what even if like things weren't even if things didn't go well but luckily that day things did go well but yeah not a sharp better whatsoever maybe sharp fantasy wise but not betting wise whatsoever i'm not yeah i'm I, that day it was for sure just caught some lucky breaks that the, one of the games i bet was washington commanders oh, commanders well their football team yeah, that football team at the time, first the yeah. falcons and i bet i picked washington and they were losing but of course atlanta <laughs> obviously <laughs> blew it again and i vaguely uh, remember that yeah calvin really was still on the field at the time <laughs> uh-huh. um who knows if he bet that game but anyway yeah like that <laughs> If we go back to Vegas again, especially during football season, one thing that I will do the exact take the exact same approach is how I took Sunday, which was getting was up, just getting get up, up early and watch and watch oh, football at ten in the morning was oh, it's cool ten it in cool. the morning oh yeah. man first thing uh, getting up and and getting breakfast then straight to the sports book and front row yeah. and all hundreds and hundreds of people behind you watching the games as well there were a lot of Cowboys fans. They were, they oh were yeah! Everywhere. Uh-huh. I remember when when BMAC and I were watching all the games, the fans, the people behind us would just go nuts, like "Whoa, whoa, what happened?" And it would just be like a normal first down for the Cowboys, like, <laughs> just for the Cowboys. Like, that's yeah. it. Like that's all it was, just like a normal sack uh-huh. or a first down. Like great. Yeah. But there were Cowboys fans are really into it. 
they were playing the yeah i had a very different experience because i didn't watch it in the sports book and i was like i was kind of disappointed being there on a nfl sunday like i kind of wish that i did uh you know i don't know it, like it, obviously i wanted to watch football i wanted to focus on that but it, it felt like it almost lost a day I totally, in some ways i totally understand why other people were not into that but yeah me and bmac uh, were like this is what we're doing <laughs> yeah no my brother and i just sat at the bar and just mm-hmm. watched football and mm-hmm. drank the whole day it was just so like, cool. it was fine but... <laughs> it was just so cool because you could watch so many games like there'd be one tv with this game yeah on, and, and oh, it's just I know. like i don't have to change the channel or anything it, it I did just look really cool absolutely it was yeah maybe that... maybe one of these times if i'm with a smaller group and we're like that's what we're gonna do like that could be a fun experience yeah. um you know, with twelve of us, felt like a lot. That to was that was a day to the sports book. Just so. personally, that was a fun experience. No, and I get it. I get it. Yes, and I think that was a perfect way for you to spend that day. Yeah. Um, it was also the last full day. It was so the I last think full that's day. Part of it too. Yeah. Where yeah. if we stayed a couple extra days, maybe it would have been a little different so experience. If we go back, uh, especially during football season, there are definitely things I'd like to do differently, or or mm-hmm. I think Ben and his friend, or well, your friends, yeah. Um, guys went to comedy shows and like that's something that i didn't yeah. do at all but like uh-huh. it's uh what what's uh brad garrett <laughs> yeah brad garrett comedy club yes <laughs> just go to some comedy club or like that uh-huh. that would be something that i would like to do if we went back again but yeah one regret non-regret or one thing i would not change one thing you're glad you did yeah just watch and we do exactly the for same. sure no i i get it of course that yeah that's that's a it's a perfect Sunday anywhere else. So no reason for it not to be there too. So yeah, sorry. I took long to answer that one. No, no, I, that's fine. And Hey, my number one is roulette. I know a game you talked about, and this was a game that I was never really into before our last trip. And I just played it so much. And again, it comes down to what games you're winning at. And I had a lot of success at roulette. So I just, yeah, it became my favorite. I loved playing it. Um, I, so my strategy was really, I would pick a color and I'd pick odd or even. And I realized that one of the most common numbers that was hitting all weekend was black 26. And it didn't occur to me until after the weekend is over that I was 26. I just turned 26 a couple weeks before. So maybe that was my lucky number for a reason. But once I caught on to that, I started to win a lot more than I already was doing. Mm-hmm. So just betting black 26 every time. Yeah. If I had the so. same amount of success as I did that one time I went to billiards, then yeah. I'd probably have roulette higher. But when we went yeah, to Vegas, you, I had, I, know, it, I had some about good, what you win and lose at. Yeah. I had more good moment, good and bad. I had more bad moments than good moments with roulette mm-hmm. that weekend. So clearly by the order I put, which was which ones I did well at and which ones I did not do well at. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like I said, a couple times already even if i lost every game <laughs> every football game bet i still was like this is amazing uh, uh no and i yeah i mean that that's the way that i have always looked at gambling is for the most part i don't do very well so it's just yeah. going to be the games i like to play are the ones where oh i actually kind of won something here yeah. or i didn't lose a ton of money so. yeah <laughs> yeah again gamble responsibility there's help out there if you need it so with that, that'll wrap up this week's episode. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about football in the beginning. We got to talk about some other sports, but 
you know, it's probably gonna be a lot of NFL and March Madness the next few weeks oh, yeah. with free agency and then of course the tournament. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. We'll, uh, I mean, we're gonna get to the point where it's not gonna be a weekly thing, but we'll we'll keep putting them out as as often as we can. It's definitely uh, definitely a lot of fun stuff to talk about these days. So for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks everyone. I'm sorry about this afternoon that no please no please everyone be quiet let me just say it's unacceptable today was unacceptable